guys today. Starting off, I got my man Sackman to my left here. Senor Diaz cannot be with us today. Uh, he's feeling a little under the weather, so blessings out to him. Pray Hope for you feel better. We'll have him back next week, so don't worry if you're a Senor Diaz fan. Starting off the show today, we wanted to go into the food battle right away so we could get this hot food, get you guys the prize right off the bat. After that, we're going to talk some Chicago Bears football. Uh, another horrendous week from them, so that's going to be another great fun talk. And then after that, we're going to give you guys a rundown of the rest of the NFL games for the remainder of the show. So, starting off with that food battle. <laughs> the flavors are melting on my tongue. We had a great matchup this week. Last week, the top two performers in the NFL were the San Francisco 49ers and the Dallas Cowboys, or at least that's who we thought were the top two performers in the NFL. For that matchup, we ended up getting some pad thai to represent San Francisco and that Asian culture that's out there, some great Asian food. And then for Dallas, we got some barbecue fries from one of our favorite yeah. barbecue places here in Elmhurst. Shout out to Firewater and shout out to Ming Chef. Those were the two places that we got these foods. This year, we wanted to get a little more serious with how we were rating things. So we're going off three different tiers. The first tier is off the appearance of the food, how we feel. And we know it's the takeout, so it's not how it's truly being served in the restaurant. But this is the best we can do. We think that appearance still matters a lot, even for takeout. After that, we're going straight into the cost effectiveness of these items, if they're worth it for the taste. And after that, just an overall taste rating. From that, we'll determine what the best score is. And that's what wins for the week. This week, we also posted something on Instagram to have you guys vote who you thought would win. Out of that, we had seven entrants for that uh, contest. In that contest, if you win the wheel, which we are about to spin, that means you get $20 to go get yourself your own pad thai or your own barbecue fries. So we're going to start off the food battle with that. Here we go. The winner this week is Karime H. Martinez. Oh. We will be sending out an award to you. We will DM you on Instagram if you're not listening to make sure you know you won the award. Congrats to Karime. Hopefully you enjoy some good barbecue fries or pad thai. That's Mrs. Sack, man. <laughs> All right. To start off, Sackley, what is your vote on the appearance of these two items? Well, here we go. We got, in terms of appearance, I mean, as we see these beautiful, delicious, succulent, loaded barbecue fries, I mean, that's... You got so much going on here. That's exactly how it should look. I'm giving that appearance a 10. Now we got our wonderful pad thai here. We got a lot of, you know, good noodles. We got some chicken. You know, so look, we got some lime, onions, everything. Uh, it's a little, a little more to be desired in terms of appearance. I'm going to give it a nice 8 out of 5 out of 10. Still looks quite succulent to me. My mouth is watering, so. But, yeah, overall pretty good. My rating on the appearance over here. Barbecue fries, as Sackley said, they just look delicious. They are looking a little too saucy, so that means the fries might be a little soggy. Uh, but that might just be a product of having them sit in that box for a little bit. The pad thai has a really nice like orange color, which makes it really like inviting, really fresh looking. Uh, it's got lots of vegetables in there. It's got a piece of lime. Uh, the chicken looks really well grilled. I think it's going to be delicious. For the fries, I'd give them a strong 7 out of 10 just because I'm a little worried about that sogginess. And for the pad thai, I'm going to give it a strong 6 out of 10. Sackley, you want to start us off by tasting that pad thai? <laughs> Will do. <laughs> mm. 
got a nice sweet flavor to it. It's good texture. Nice and flavorful. Chicken is well cooked. I'd give it a nice 8 out of 5 out of 10. Solid. 5 out of 10. Solid. You want to give those loaded fries a oh, taste? You know it, brother. <laughs> oh. We're professional fat guys, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Oh, you got the some nice spice to it. You got the nice smokiness of the brisket. You got the barbecue. You got the cheese, the ranch. Just mixed together perfectly. That's a 10 out of 10, ladies and gentlemen. 10 out of 10. We get a perfect 10 out of 10 on one of our first food items of the season. Let me give a dig in on this pad thai. A nice piece of chicken. Oh, yeah. Mmm. The fresh vegetables help a lot in this. Uh, I got a nice piece of onion in there, and the onion just gave you a nice kick. Kind of counter opposite to that chicken, which is just, like I said, it looked really cooked well. It is really cooked well. It tastes awesome. This is definitely something I'd get again. I'd give it a strong 8 out of 10. I'm yeah. a big fan. Solid. Let's dig into these fries a little bit. Good piece of pulled pork right there. Oh, yeah. Mmm. They are two very different items. Yeah, for very sure. Different. Two broad, two different spectrums of the American food experience. <laughs> Just like San Francisco and Dallas, two very different, very very different, <laughs> very different spectrums very different. of the American experience. Very different, <laughs> brother. But as Sackley said, the pork just melts in your mouth. The fries actually aren't too soggy yet. All the sauces mix together super well. I got to give that a strong 9 out of 10. I can't give it a perfect 10 out of 10. I got to see what else we're going to be tasting later in the season. Maybe we'll have an all-star battle come up later and they can yeah. make a comeback. But I got to give them a 9 out of 10. Sackley, what would you give these guys rating-wise on their cost-effectiveness based on that taste? Well, for the Pad Thai, just for the Pad Thai, it's not the largest portion in the world, and it was $15.81. So, you know, it's a little more on the – I'm guessing they use quality ingredients, I'm hoping. Uh, yeah, so we'll, we'll give that a 7 out of 10. The cost effectiveness with two of these and a thing of wings, jumbo wings, by the way, it's $37 plus tax and tip. I was nice. I was in a good mood. The guy was cool. I told him about the radio show. So I gave him a tip. So we'll give that, I mean, that's 9 out of 10, especially in today's economy. So, yeah. I think it sounds like you have a pretty clear winner in these two. You know, who's winning in the appearance? You know, I'll give the appearance to the pad type. Now that I... I was I had to be less caveman about it. Now that I saw it from your point of view, <laughs> a little more refined point of view, more sophisticated, <laughs> I'll give it to the pad thai. There you go. There you go. What are you giving for taste? Taste, I'm going with the fries. And finally, your tiebreaker, how's the cost effectiveness? That's going to the ties, baby. America. <laughs> um, I think I'm going to agree with you. I think the uh, pad thai just looks a little more appetizing. You know, the fries look like a lot. I think this kind of gives them a little bit of a weakness. And, again, they kind of have that soggy-looking uh, feel to them. Uh, when you actually eat them, they don't have that, but I can I can feel it coming on soon that there's yeah. going to be a little sogginess in there. Uh, so i got to give the appearance to the pad thai. Taste. Um, the pad thai was delicious. I think it's something I could eat more often than the fries. Oh, definitely. You know, I think the fries are definitely a once-in-a-month once type of thing at most. But That or when you're just depressed. Yeah. After a Bears game, <laughs> it'd be great. Um. 
But at the same time, that's going to be the best day of my month when I ever yeah. I have these. <laughs> I'm not going to lie to you. So I got to give yeah. the taste of that. And then, like you said, I'm looking at these portions. You guys will see the portions later on Instagram. Or if you already saw the Instagram post, post you can check it out on there. For what we paid for this pad thai, uh, it was about a dollar more than one order of these fries. And the fries, there's about double the food in that. Yeah. So I think the cost effectiveness speaks for itself. The winner for this week's food battle is going to be the Texas Barbecue Fries. Let us know in the comments after we post on the show the winner. Tell us how you feel with that, if you agree, if you disagree. Um, and then next week we'll have one more food battle, which we will uh, release to you guys at the end of this show. So stay tuned to hear what next week's food battle is going to be. We will also be posting something on Instagram for that. Congrats again to Karime for winning this week's food battle. Hey, yo, again, we will uh, DM you on Instagram and then let you know how to receive your prize. We can do Venmo, Cash, whatever works best for you. So we'll DM you. All right, folks. Since we wanted to get the fun out of the way, we got to get into the not-so-fun. Back to the misery, ladies <laughs> and gentlemen. The Chicago Bears played football on Sunday, for sure. I think we can say they at least went out there and played. They were on the field. They, they broke a good sweat. Yeah. Yeah, good grease going. <laughs> exactly. What happened in that game for the Chicago Bears? I mean, this game, at the end of the day, Baker Mayfield outdueled Justin Fields by a wide margin. I mean, the Buccaneers, they dominated time of possession. Baker was very, very, other than one missed throw to Godwin on the first drive of the game, he was perfect. He was shrugging guys off. He was running. He looked like Lamar Jackson out there. He made Yannick Nagy. He shrugged off Yannick Nagy three times. When the Bears' defense had an opportunity to make a play, they chose not to. Jaquan Brisker drops a pick six on the third play of the game. Uh, Yannick Nagy got shrugged off on two different sacks. That was the only times we even got to him. Uh, I mean, Demarcus Walker missed a couple. Uh, I, I can't blame the secondary because we had our third-string nickel corner in there. Then Brisker and... Yep. Eddie, Jack- Eddie Jackson probably played his last game as a bear. By halftime, we were a down or two starting safeties. So yeah. the secondary played great. This game was lost in the line of scrimmage. When the Buccaneers makeshift, inexperienced offensive line beat our D-line. We did not uh, put in enough resources to the D-line in the offseason. They are still bad. They said no sacks. They rent the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers averaged 2.3 yards per carry week one against the Minnesota Vikings. Minnesota Vikings had the worst run defense in the NFL. And... Rashad White looked like prime Adrian Peterson. Just 10 yards of carry. Even the rookie, Sean Tucker from Syracuse, he looked great as well running the ball. So that's where it was lost, really. That and Justin Fields hasn't made any progression. We'll get into that later, but that's where it came down to. He took way too many unnecessary sacks. The pick at the end obviously ended it. Bad play call. And, yeah, that's where it was lost. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, this game was just – it was tough. It wasn't as tough as that week one loss. Um, I think that just, like, was just completely that – was, That was a nightmare. That was just a blow. And I think there were a lot of things that looked better this week. And I, yeah. I'm going to go on the positive side here. Chase Claypool looked like he had a little more energy. He looked like an NFL receiver out there. He did. He still messed up a little bit. He's still not a guy I really want on this team past no. this season no. at most. Um, I'd be happy if he was gone by the trade deadline. That'd be cool. Um, but mm-hmm. – at the same time, I saw improvement and progression from week one to week two. And that doesn't take a lot since he was at basically rock bottom that week yeah. one. So having any kind of energy on that field would have been an improvement. I would have been happy about that. Um, you know, our two linebacker signings both had double-digit tackles. Um, so, you know, 
that's a plus. Yeah, that is a plus. I mean, uh, Jatire Carter filling at right mm-hmm. guard for our free agent who stinks. I was very impressed. I thought he did well. There was not, never a point in the game which I yelled at him. Mm-hmm. I didn't really watch him a lot, but I like what I saw. That's mm-hmm. a seventh-round pick out of Southern and FCS, you know, HBCU. He looked pretty good out there. He looked like he belonged out there. The issue is, after those things, there is nothing else I like nothing. about this game. Nothing. Not a single nothing at all. Single thing. Um, honestly, the only reason our linebackers had that many tackles is because our D line just can't do anything. Yeah. So we'll, they're just. We'll forced start to with the defense tackles. first. Yeah. This is more simpler to dissect. Yes. The D line was okay. awful. Let's start. So it there. the D line is terrible. These boys can't play football. They should. They should have just stayed in the house as kids. Mm-hmm. They should have played volleyball instead. <laughs> Ballerina. I don't know. Go do that. That's common nowadays. Put on a dress. That's what they should have done. They can't. Justin Jones talked all offseason about how good he's going to be. The Packers are bad. I haven't seen him make a play the first two games. Yannick Ngakwe made Baker Mayfield look like prime Ben Roethlisberger. Mm-hmm. There was two times where he came scot-free, and Baker Mayfield just shrugged him off mm-hmm. or stopped on a dime like Lamar, and he went flying. He just threw all the fundamentals out the door. And then, speaking of him, because he's wearing number 91, I kept on thinking he was Dominique Robinson. <laughs> Dominique Robinson hasn't made any progress. We thought this guy was going to be our next big thing. A great week. Well, that was just a fluke. We, we cut Travis Gibson because we, we, we were Gibson. so confident in Dominique Robinson's ability to grow as a player this season. That and Terrell Lewis, who looked like he was wearing 52. He looked like Khalil Mack out there in preseason. Mm-hmm. He was doing good OTAs in training camp. He was a former. He's a very interesting guy. I didn't think we should have cut him. I didn't think we should have cut Travis Gibson. Mm-hmm. He showed that he can be a good edge uh, pass rusher in this league. And, yeah, so you had him. It's Marcus Walker I'm not very impressed with. I... I think he was improved from week one. Yeah, he 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 showed up out there. Week one, like I didn't hear his. Name I saw once. his. I saw his name exactly. And I think that, again, kind of with the Claypool thing, that's an improvement. I'll take it after what we saw in week. The interior D line, which is where I thought we really needed to address. Jones is terrible. Mm-hmm. I he's supposed to he we brought him in to be our franchise three technique, to be our guy. Are you know Tommy Harris because we were on the four three. That's why we hired Eberflus because he runs the four three that we were good in two thousand six. It's the only reason why we hired him. I haven't seen any plays from him. Mm-hmm. The two rookies are by far our best interior defensive linemen, and they're both way too raw and not ready. Mm-hmm. Gervon, when Gervon's in there, I see him working. Mm-hmm. He's I'm not Billings. I didn't expect a lot of Billings. He's just a run stuffer. He's a guy that's going to get 25 tackles a year, maybe one sack. So he's on pace for that. But at least when Gervon's in there, I, I see him. Mm-hmm. He had a couple tackles where, you know, it was him. He plays with such high energy. And yeah. it's, that's so nice to see because, again, the rest of the defensive line just plays so lack, lackadaisical. Oh. Yannick Ngakwe looks like he is going through the motions every he's single just, play. He's at that point in his career. He just, he's just here for the check. Exactly. That's he's why on he keeps signing deals. the one-year deals. He wants to get paid for that one year and go somewhere else. And he, he does just good enough on the pass rush that like teams believe in yeah. him. Yeah. Demarcus Walker, when we signed him, that was the first time I've heard his name since he was at Florida mm-hmm. State. That's the first time I heard his name in general. I was like, who? I was like, the guy from Florida State's still in the league that was a dog but then went to the Broncos and didn't do anything? That, I mean, we gave him three years, 21 mil. So that's an investment. Mm-hmm. He hasn't performed. The only edge guy that makes a difference is that Rasheem Green fellow. Mm-hmm. 
I mean, obviously he blocked the field goal, which that's great. We needed that. That was awesome. It's the best special teams play I've seen since we got this new special teams coordinator in 2022. Since Cordero Patterson, basically. Basically. <laughs> I mean, he gets back there on, like, he he doesn't he doesn't have any sacks. He's a bit in, a, unable to finish. But when he, he gets back there. Mm-hmm. I mean, the pressure is good enough. Again, pressure like that from one side should allow a guy like Yannick Ngakwe to be open on the other side. So you would think that's, like, exactly what they needed. That's the whole deal we had with Robert Quinn. That's what made Robert Quinn so good that one year is because we were able to get at least pressure on the other side. It wasn't going to be sacks on the other side, but it was going to be pressure. pressure. Yeah, with Gibson and Max. Exactly. People that just could take up space. And then now we're just trying to, like, throw anybody out there. And we think, like, just giving money and giving these big contracts and that these guys are semi-good talents. We gave – uh, Demarcus Walker that contract off of a seven sack season. That was his only productive his only season. seven sack season. He's at, at like age twenty eight. So he's we're getting kind of old already. So we're by the end of his year, he's gonna be thirty one. We're throwing money around for no reason because he's a name that did all right, and we just thought it would help. But then you look at the rest of the signings on that defense, and it's the same exact thing. Tremaine Edmonds is a name that we thought could help, and we didn't have a plan for him coming. We. In. We chose, we chose to pay those two guys over Roquan. Roquan has more tackles than both of them. Mm-hmm. Like, First off, you don't pay two off-the-ball linebackers. You should have just paid one. We would have had Samborn. Roquan would have been the will. Samborn's the strong. And then you just draft a fourth-rounder to be the middle or get some low-tier guy in free agency. Or maybe even keep a guy like Morrow. Which is ex- yeah, Nick Morrow. Why is, he's um, starting on Philadelphia now. Why is Sewell not playing more? Yeah, so that's a guy that was supposed to be a top 20 pick. He fell a little bit, but all I heard was he's great in training camp. He's great in mini camp. Why isn't he playing? TJ Edwards, it's it's so painful to watch him in any pass play. It's rough. For the past two weeks, he has been like by far our worst pass defender on the field. It's been bad. Like they Teams and are teams now game it. planning they and attacking him. He could he could get away with all that in Philadelphia because they got the best pass rush in the exactly. league. Exactly. Now we don't have any pass rush. It gets exposed. Well, and not only do we not have a pass rush, but like Philadelphia had one of the best defensive backfields in the yeah. league too. And that they didn't ask he was, much. He was sandwiched between two of the best units in in the league, and now he's sandwiched between two of the worst units in the league. Especially this past week when half our defensive backs go out, and Tyreek yeah. Stevenson looks like a rookie. They attacked. We go to secondary. Yeah, I'm not mad at the secondary for. Having a third-string nickel corner in there, two backup safeties for most of the game because Brister came back at the end. He had some illness or whatever. I thought they played pretty well. Tyreek Stevenson got attacked. That's what you do when you got an all-pro like Mike Evans. You go attack the rookie. I can't be mad about that. Mike Evans pushed off a few times yeah. as well. That's uh, all, all the articles I've been seeing this week were just all like, how, how did he not get Blatantly called? obvious push-off. They were like, awful. He looked better than an offensive lineman in terms <laughs> of pushing. I'm not mad at secondary. Secondary, those guys came in, they played their butts off. You had, you know, Terrell Lewis. No, not Terrell. Terrell, Terrell um, Smith. Smith, yes. Yes, you had him come in. You had Elijah Hicks, seventh rounder, 2022. They played their butts off. I'm not mad at those guys. I'm mad at the pass rush. This is where you're going to get some from. The Buccaneers, they were deflated as all hell because they lost their center, Ryan Jensen. So they put in the guy who struggled last year that they don't really like, that Hainsey fella from Kentucky, I believe. They put him in. You got him at center. Right guard, you got a rookie from FCS school. We think he's going to be good, Cody Much, but he's a rookie from FCS school. And then you got an unproven guy, Luke Godeke at right tackle. who He's played a little bit last year. He's a second-year guy. 
You got Matt Filer, a veteran and left guard, and you got Worfs, who's okay, Worfs a Pro Bowl level player. So you really you got one, maybe two guys that are good on that offensive line. They average 2.3 yards a rush against Minnesota. And they come out and they, they ran the ball 150 yards. We knew they were going to run the ball. Dave Canales was brought in because he runs the ball. Todd Bowles is a defensive head coach. He wanted an offensive coordinator that was going to run the ball. They lowered their backfield down to like one running back. They got Rashad White. Give him the rock. And they got a rookie third third day pick in Sean Tucker, who's good Syracuse, but he was like a fifth round pick mm-hmm. for a reason. And those two look, Rashad White looked great. Mm-hmm. He was breaking tackles. He was spinning out. He was doing everything. Yeah, they obviously had faith in this kid. He looked better than all of our running backs. Mm-hmm. We were supposed to have this vaunted backfield this year. And then we run the ball 16 times. Hey. Defensively, this D-line is poor. It's bad. Like, we put in, we didn't get the right guys, but we put in money. And back-to-back, we had the worst pass rush in the league last year. We look like that right now. You're telling me you can't go up against Hainsey, Godeke, Rookie, Filer, who's kind of on the downturn. He was with Pittsburgh back when they were in Pittsburgh. And then went to the Chargers. Now he's with Tampa. And Worfs, who hasn't played left tackle since, I believe, college. Well, yeah, he's a great player, but, you know, some guys it takes a lot out of them to switch sides. You know about that. Mm-hmm. We, we know about that. We It was tough switching sides when yep. we played. You can't even get one sack. It's not like you got Lamar Jackson back there evading sacks. You had Baker Mayfield. You made him look like Lamar Jackson. He was running, throwing, throwing sidearm. He looked great. That's the best I think Baker's looked since he's been at Oklahoma. He looked great out there. He's going to win comeback player of the year at this rate. Mm-hmm. I mean, that was bad. Front seven, shame on you. The back end did their job. Mm-hmm. For who we have out there going against, you know, Godwin, Evans. They got that rookie Palmer that I like, you know. They have solid players. They did their job. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, what What would you do if you were in Ryan Pohl's position or even Matt Eberflus's position um, with the talent that the Bears already have on this roster? What would you do to make a change going into week three and on? I mean, maybe I'd give Sewell a look. I haven't really seen anything from Sanborn, and Edwards has not played well. So I'd maybe give Sewell a look somewhere in that linebacking core. I'd give Gervon and Pickens some more. Pickens makes an impact when he's out there. Mm -hmm. He's going to struggle in run defense this year, but he'll make an impact on the passing downs. I want to see more of the young guys. Mm -hmm. Jones ain't cutting it. I haven't seen anything from he. His only sacks last year came off stunts. Yeah. It tells you all you need to know. I give the young guys some more run. And then I would, um, I'd do that, and then I'd probably bench Robinson because his having him out there, he does nothing. No pass rush. He's still too light to be a really good run defender. I mean, we got Ngakwe, who's a bad run defender, so we can't have two guys who are bad at defending the run. And that maybe I'll, I'd put in Marcus Walker at three technique on passing downs. Supposedly that's what he did in Tennessee. That's what he was good at. That and I'd have to blitz more because mm-hmm. we're not getting there. Mm-hmm. That's that's kind of like my thing is like, why are we not blitzing as much as we're the Chicago Bears? We need to blitz. You have an athletic freak in Tremaine Edmonds who's gonna fly down it whenever I see him and run stuff. He flies in there and like it's just aggressive in the hole. T.J. Edwards is a unit, and we're using Both big him in, guys, and we're using them in pass coverage all the time. Blitz them. Send guys down. 
use our aggressive corners. You got every analyst and even the coaches talk about how aggressive and physical our corners are. Tyreek Stevenson can tackle. Let them be physical and aggressive. You know, give them the opportunity. Stop relying on these guys in the middle that can't cover to cover and allow them to do what they do, and that's fly downhill and make kits, get tackles. That's all we need them to do, and we're not allowing them to do them. It's the same thing. Let's move on to the offense because it's the same oh, yeah. thing. They're not letting these guys. This is going to be fun. They're not letting these guys like show their talents. They're doing the most basic thing on the face of the earth oh, every God. week. And it's been like this for the past 12 weeks when we lost 10 straight games. What What's happening on the offensive side of the ball, Sackley? Offensive side, obviously we've got these vanilla game plans. Levante Davis on that pick six said, yeah, we knew they were running the screen pass. They ran it three times in a row. We ran two other screen passes to the side where it was two blockers against four defenders. Now, why would you Why would you do that? That doesn't make sense. Do you not know math? Well, you got to catch them off Four, hard, four you know? is greater than two. You learned that in second grade. <laughs> Shout out Miss Calderon. My first crush. Uh, you do that. The offensive line... They're a little banged up now, obviously, but they weren't performing when everyone was healthy. So then when you do try to do traditional drop back, there's some plays where Justin just doesn't have a chance. And then you got a quarterback that takes holds on to the ball too long. Three of those sacks yesterday, six, we had six sacks and told three of them were on him. Three of them is just, just throw the ball just or just run. Just run, please. I mean, you look at Fields. Everything he does is so slow. You may think I'm – he's actually a very slow guy. Mm-hmm. I don't know why, but Getsy had to change the way he set his feet before the play. He went from right foot to left foot back, or vice versa. You look at his dropbacks his rookie year on the Nagy. Way faster, much better timing, balls out quicker. Ever since Getsy came, he redid his footwork, redid everything. You look at his dropbacks, his feet are like in, it's like they're, he's got cement galoshes on. Which, that does, that does not help when you have, already have a bad offensive line. You know, a quarterback that shows to process the defense. So right now, it feels it's the little things mm-hmm. that aren't right. It's like back when Trubisky would struggle when he wouldn't move his feet. Well, these are the things. So what you're talking about is all things that he's been doing probably since he was in junior football. Yeah, since that, he was a kid in Georgia. And that every single coach probably ignored because it was not affecting his game. He was still one of the best players in the country it for the worked. entire time. So why are you changing it now at this level, at this point in his career? At 23 years of age, why are the, you changing his These are footwork? the same things I questioned with Markel Fultz in the NBA. It's yeah. like, why did they change his jump shot? Why would you do that? Like, it, Matt Nagy, Nagy did a better job exactly. developing in than Getsy has. Exactly. You have to, again, it's the same thing with the defense. You have to allow these guys to do what they do best. And if that means they do their mechanics a little bit weird than, or a little bit different than anybody else, yeah. as long as he can get the ball out, that works. But the moment you make him think about the like basics of his form, he goes back to thinking about the basics of everything. And then when yeah. he does that, it slows down his game. He like already 20%. had a slow release. When you look at him, he holds the ball and when he throws it for a long time and he extends his arm all the way out. He kind of it's like a, almost like a pitch like he, he throw loops his arm out a lot to the side and then <clears throat> like if we knew that, first off that needs to be tightened up a little bit. That's a very easy fix. A lot of NFL quarterbacks do that. I don't know why that hasn't been done. His job is to throw the ball, and he's throwing it all weird. He's looping it way out to the side. You ever see that slow motion video of him from that Thursday night game in the warm-ups where everyone's like, whoa. I was like, he really throws it like that? He was almost like a baseball pitcher. Mm-hmm. I said, obviously, they ignored that. 
That's why so many of his balls get bad at the line of scrimmage. Cause it takes so long for him to get the ball out of his hand. We got that. And, of course, we don't build the offensive line. If we know we have a quarterback who struggles a little mentally, a little slow getting the ball out, you build the offensive line. We have not invested in the offensive line. Braxton Jones is our fifth-round pick. He's at left tackle. Most important position in the offensive line, according to everybody. He's regressed. I, I liked him as a rookie. He was being physical. He was playing as hard as he can. The whole game, he didn't two-inch shiver, punch, whatever, extension, whatever you want to call it. He didn't do that a single time. He was just catching the entire game. Now he's getting all antsy because he's getting his butt kicked. That's where these false starts come from. Mm-hmm. He's getting a holding. You got white hair. I love white hair to death. We've, we've said this a million times. He can't play guard. I saw he's a center. He's better at center. He's too old to be playing guard. There was one play, play where Levante David blitzed, and he just drove Cody Whitehair back four yards. This man can't even block a blitzing. He was in position. He was ready to catch Levante the Levante David's 230 pounds. He was ready to catch the player. He knew what was happening, and he still got driven back. He's missed... We, we're big on, oh, is he young, athletic? That's what this whole regime likes. Long arms, this and that. He's none of that, and he's old. He's been missing games. He's going to get hurt in the next couple weeks most likely. He gets hurt around week five, six every year. The last dude's three body years. can't hold up. I it's not his fault, but you got to cut a guy like that. Uh-huh. He's, one, he's our highest paid player on offense, other than DJ Moore, making $14 million a year. He, No, get him out of here. Our whole thing was to hide him at centers. You don't want to have to hide a player. We should have went out and got a young center. We had Jenkins, but we knew Jenkins was probably going to get hurt like he has. That's the other thing is we keep talking about Tevin Jenkins so much, and we're like, oh, when he finally plays, he's gonna it's going to be great. It's been three years. Availability is the best ability. It's been three years. And then the moments when he does get on the field, he doesn't look good half the time. He looks like a rookie in his third year when he gets on the field half the time. So why are we putting so much faith in this kid? And all of that comes down to like the Bears front office and the way they promote these young players. It's awful. And then you look at Darnell Wright, and Darnell Wright looks like probably the worst rookie offensive lineman. And he looks the best out of all of them up exactly. front. It's been, awful. They're doing everything possible to make sure he fails. Leaving exactly. on, 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 like He's gone against good pass rushers. Literally, they're putting him on a spotlight every single play. Honestly, whenever they put in a tight end chip, it's the help Braxton. Mm-hmm. Which, if we knew we were going to draft a right tackle this year, why couldn't we go out and get one veteran? Mm-hmm. We can't. We got a second-year guy and a first-year guy as our two tackles. One of them was a fifth-round pick. I'm talking about he was late in the fifth round. He wasn't even our first fifth-round pick. And then you got a guy that we knew was going to struggle a little bit with his technique, pass blocking-wise. He's, he's fine in the run game. Mm-hmm. Run game, he's good. He's already above average. He's better. He's the best run blocking right tackle we've had since the you know, Super Bowl season. We ain't had a right tackle ever since. We had Gabe Creamy Gabe and Creamy. Lance <laughs> Lewis. I love Lance Lewis. We had all these Bobby Massey for five years and Alex what, what Bars and all them guys. But I mean, we all knew that was gonna happen. I'm not mad at Darnell Wright. I like how he's played so far. Mm-hmm. But and then we got Nate Davis, who was supposed to be our great guy. <laughs> I thought he was like a C-tier free agent. I barely even knew who this fellow was. We gave him $10 million a year. Mm-hmm. We couldn't give another $2, 3000000 million for Ben Powers, the guy I liked, or uh, Elgden Jenkins, mm-hmm. who's an all-pro. 
No, we give it to him, who hasn't done anything. He didn't have any Pro Bowls in Tennessee. It was easy for an offensive lineman there to make Pro Bowl because they run the ball every play. Mm-hmm. That line gets recognition. And he's surrounded by guys who are like Pro Bowl caliber. He had David Andrews. Line. He had Taylor Lewan. Mm-hmm. He had all these Roger Saffold. Mm-hmm. It, he didn't. He didn't even. I didn't even know who he was. Even the Aaron Brewer was better than him. That dude's like two hundred and eighty pounds. <laughs> he's little looking. He was like the guard from North Central. Mm-hmm. And then we get to the receivers. Darnell Mooney, I guess, got hurt because he didn't play after the second drive. Best of avail- best ability is availability. Kind I mean, DJ thing. Moore is fantastic. We just never throw it to him. Mm-hmm. And it, like like I said earlier, Chase Claypool looked a little bit better. Uh, the one guy I want to talk about this week for not giving any effort is. Chase Claypool looked like he started giving effort, and then Cole Komet decided not to give effort this week. We paid him. We gave him $50 million. $32 million guaranteed, I believe. And you want to look, go out there and not play well. Wasn't a great effort. He used to be a better blocker. He can't block for his life. Now I, he can't block anymore. It's he, disgusting. He's it's like skinny now. Mm-hmm. He, he lost a lot. Of, like, okay, I understand you want to get a little faster, but you don't lose. He looks like he lost like 15 pounds. Look at his neck. His neck looks like my wrist. <laughs> he looks all skinny now. He can't block anymore. You got to block in this offense. You're not Travis Kelsey, buddy. Mm-hmm. Just because you had a few touchdowns last year, you look a little cool from weeks 7 to 10. Yeah. Doesn't mean you're Travis Kelsey and can just eh, give a little shove. F- fantasy is such a weird thing in our society because so many people look at fantasy and think players are good because of that. And then, like, you look at a guy like Cole Komet, and everybody's like, oh, he's a he's a top 10 tight end in the league because he had seven touchdowns in the last five weeks of the season last year. And then you look, but like then those people don't look at the first six weeks of the season where he did nothing. He literally was just a dude on the field. He ain't blocking either. Exactly. Even even then, like it wasn't as bad as this year, but then he wasn't blocking anyways. And then this year, we have him going out there, and we have two, we have one Good veteran, and then a very capable tight end who had one of the best seasons a tight end has had in a long time a couple years ago. And Robert yeah, he had 15 touchdowns. Why are we, we don't not, throw to him? Why are we not like having Cole Komet compete with them a little bit? Why don't because we have Mercedes Lewis chip block? Exactly, absolutely fantastic at. Why are we not running more two and three tight end sets? People know we're going to run the ball, so let's run the ball. Speaking of running the ball, <laughs> our prize free agent Deontay Foreman was out. We only give Khalil Herbert the ball. Seven times. He averaged five yards carry. And then our wonderful rookie, Roquan, who everyone's hyping up, and then we give no opportunities, gets a 25, 30-yard run. Doesn't get a carry the rest of the game. Just, okay, Roshan, you showed your little potential. Now go over there. Go drink some your Gatorade. You're done for the day. And not only does he not get the rushing attempts, but last week he had six catches, and this week we give him two targets, which he catches both targets for 10 yards. And we don't throw him the ball anymore. And then we got the most athletic quarterback in the league, and we don't run him. Exactly. Ran him one time and he got a touchdown. It's it's where's the zone read? He's good at that. He knows how to read it. He knows that the defensive end goes in, you pull it. If he doesn't, he you hand it off. That's the one read we know he can make. And we're just not letting him do it. What if I see one more screen pass? If I see one more screen pass, it ain't gonna be good. You know we can't run him. You know it's awful. And you talked about earlier how Levante David went on on in the post game interview eat. and said that they knew it was coming. Not only did they know it was coming, every single person watching the game on national television knew it was coming. If the dumbest fans in America 
can tell you that you are about to throw a screen pass, maybe you should not be throwing a screen pass there. And then, not to mention, you are on your two-yard line. Why are we throwing a screen pass there? Why well, risk having the offensive line to not block well enough, which they didn't, and get a safety? Because on the play before, we basically got a safety. Mm-hmm. It was just offsides by mm-hmm. a little bit. By, by a lot of it. That dude <laughs> ran pretty Still! <laughs> but, yeah, exactly. Joe Tryon Sherlinka did that exact same thing earlier in the game, and they didn't call it. Mm-hmm. I, I just don't understand how that thought process works if you are Luke Getze. Like, three times in a row, dude. Three in a row. Just hand it off at that point. And not to mention, you didn't just do it three in a row in that game. You've also ran, like, five other screens earlier mm-hmm. in the game, and then ran, like, six more last uh, week. Remember this? The one play Valus Jones is in, our wonderful third-round pick... We do we he did this three or four times. We run like a toss sweep into the boundary. <laughs> Why would you run into the boundary? There's no room. And of course Claypool and Kemet, the two Notre Dame boys, they didn't touch a soul. <laughs> and Valus, we all know everyone's he's gonna get the jet toss. He's gonna get the sweep. Minus six yards after it kills a promising drive. Because <laughs> Claypool and Kemet don't want to block him. We're running a toss sweep into the boundary. Why do you run in? There's no room for the guy to get Get the corner, because you're already at the sideline by the time you do that, if the blocking's good. Mm-hmm. You run that into the field, it gives you a chance. Mm-hmm. Oy, oy, oy. I'm going to ask you the same question I asked about the defense, but for the offense. If you're Luke Yatsi, if you're Matt Eberflus, if you're Ryan Poles, what are you changing today with the people that you got in the locker room? What are you changing to make this offense go? Putting Cody Whitehair at center. Uh, if Nate Davis is back, I'm putting him at right guard. I'm putting Jatire Carter at left guard. That's what I'm doing. White hair, at least with that, you only have one guard where you're questionable about. And Jatire, really Nate Davis, but yeah, he's our, he's our free agent. <laughs> he's our free agent, so we're going to give him the benefit <laughs> of the doubt. Hopefully he doesn't have another personal issue and have to go to get dinner with Matt Eberflus again. <laughs> but at least with that, you got White hair playing his natural position because snaps were an issue. Patrick and that Feeney that came in couldn't snap the ball. We look like an elementary school offense out there. Just absolutely disgusting. Um, kind of going back to Justin Fields. Uh, this week, I would put more of the blame on him this week than I did week one. Yeah. Um, I think there was – I gave him a lot of the benefit of the doubt in week one in that performance and how little that they actually threw the ball, like for real threw the ball that game. Um, the first drive looked great. Fantastic. Uh, we got DJ Moore – into the game, into the game plan. Finish it After, off with a nice rushing touchdown. Mm-hmm. After that, it looked almost exactly like week one. He can't read a deep. Like, you see that one play that was memed everywhere, just wide. I mean, he takes a sack on that play. Mm-hmm. You get to settle for a few. Mm-hmm. But you got to do two guys on that play running down the field wide open. Like, what are you looking at? And then he just holds on. Two of those sacks were just terrible. He holds on to it for so long. If Reed's one, two, maybe three aren't there, just take off at this point. Mm-hmm. This offensive line can't go past that, and you're holding it on way too long. Throw it out of bounds. There's nothing wrong with throwing it out of bounds. He is not – He's not. they've done a terrible job developing him, even from the little things from his footwork, not fixing his throwing motion. I mean, not giving him good enough protection. We've just failed him at every point, and – he hasn't made the strides either. Mm-hmm. It's not all on coaching. I mean, he has to take a step. If there's too. guys running down the field wide open, they schemed it up well for once. Mm-hmm. 
you got to throw the ball. Mm-hmm. He can do this thing where he goes inside and say, oh, I'm going to work so hard this week. and say, oh, But I don't want to hear it anymore. I'm, I don't want to hear it. I don't want to hear how hard you're working. I want to see it. Mm-hmm. Me and you think it's just not in him. Maybe, maybe it was, but not anymore. Yeah. I mean, it, it's getting to the point where I'm giving him three more weeks, and if he doesn't look any better, and we, we're we 0-6, which we got the Chiefs this week. So, loss. <laughs> we got, what, the Commanders next? Probably a loss. Just Commanders look great. So their defense is fantastic. Sam Howell was mm-hmm. winging the ball around. Brian Robinson looks like a stud. Like They got Jahan Dotson, uh-huh. who's very, very good. McLaurin. The Chase Young is back. Mm-hmm. He looked great. You got Deron Payne and you got Sweat, who I think is better than Chase Young. Sweat's a beast. Most underrated edge defender in the league. Should be in top 10, maybe top 5 conversation. He's that good. We saw what he did last year against Braxton Jones. <laughs> Just threw him around for 60 minutes. And you got the Vikings, who, you know, we're not going to stop Justin Jefferson. And who knows? Even Alexander Madison might be able to run the ball against us. I mean, he's single handedly bringing value back to the running back position in free agency. Mm-hmm. It's. It's it's just going to be a rough season for the Chicago Bears. Um, if it gets to that point where it is a very rough season, we're sitting at something like 0-6, 1-5, 2-4, whatever. And at that point, the Bears as an organization have given up hope on Justin Fields. What is the value of Justin Fields in the trade market? Um, and what would you want back If the that? Jets could get, like a, they got, what, I believe, a second and fourth for Darnold, we can get that. I'm not getting a first rounder for him. He struggled too much, but we can get a second, maybe like a day three pick for him. Mm-hmm. Would that be all you would? Would you be happy with that trade? Yeah, they take his contract and his fifth year extension. Yeah, go ahead. Mm-hmm. I don't. I mean, I don't want that. I love Fields. We failed him. He's not, you know, held up his end of the bargain. But he's the most athletically gifted quarterback we've ever had. That's the most accomplished quarterback in college we've ever had. Who else are we gonna get? It's 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 not at this point, it doesn't matter who we get. We're gonna ruin them. If I'm the Bears, this is what I'm doing. If I ran the organization, for whatever reason, we're not gonna have a great quarterback. Just for whatever it's just not in the cards. So I'm gonna go out, I'm gonna find the best quarterback I can. Most likely like a veteran. This is just hypothetical, not not, not what they're gonna do in twenty twenty four. Because if they finished, I believe they're gonna be the worst team league, they're gonna get Caleb Williams. Mm. If I were the Bears, I would just build up the offensive and defensive line to the point where it was, like, stupid. And just go play the – we already have skill, enough skill position guys. Build up the offensive and defensive line to where it's just stupid. Like Philadelphia, like what they've done. And just run the ball. play. If you give a quarterback a dominant run game and play uh, good protection, you'd be amazed at how some of the – look at Sam Darnold. Tim Darnold was playing very good ball towards the end of the year last year. He had okay offense line, but a very good run game. It's all they need. Go out and get like a guy like Brissett, Jacoby Brissett, or like someone like that, mm-hmm. and just build up a dominant offensive and defensive line. That's where the game of football is won. Just go out and do that and just, you know, all of a sudden our division is like the worst in football now. Mm-hmm. The Vikings are going to go into a full rebuild by next year. Three of the teams in the NFC South are 2-0 and right yeah, now. <laughs> I, don't, I don't believe in uh, – the Packers, mm-hmm. and they got two offensive linemen out right now, so they're going to lose this week against the Saints. Lions are the Lions. I'm happy Tra- Chauncey Gardner-Johns out for the year. Screw that guy. So that's the only thing we got going for us. That and Carolina stinks, so we're going to get a high pick from them. Yeah. 
I mean, there's a there's a realistic opportunity we could get picks like one and three or like two and three. One and two. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Cardinals look good. Cardinals look better than the Bears. Mm-hmm. Um, we talked about it a little bit last week, and I think it's even more prevalent this week after what we saw at the end of that game. What is the timeline for these coaches, and how much longer would you give them if you are Ryan Pulse and the ownership? Well, if Eberflus has any sort of a brain, he'd fire Getzey and like kind of blame him more so so he can survive the rest of the season. For Getzey, I'm giving him two, three weeks. If I still see these terrible game plans going out every week, I'm firing him. Polls, for Eberflus, if he doesn't turn around this year, he's out. Mm-hmm. He didn't get in the third season. I'd fire him right now if it was me. Him and Getzey could go. Bring in a Dave Caldwell, have him call the offense. That's what I would do. Have him be the head coach at this point. <laughs> like, give him another shot. <laughs> like, that poor guy's never gotten a. He led the Lions. He led the Colts to the Super Bowl and led the Lions. To, he was that was the best four year stretch Lions have ever had. Mm-hmm. Modern football got blackballed. I would. Do, it's getting to that point. Like it's the same redundant bad game plans week after week on both sides of the ball. Matt Eberflus, we got to remember, we act like he had these dominant Super Bowl winning defenses. In they were like ninth in the league. Yeah, they were They were good. They were good, but you have DeForest Buckner and Darius Leonard. Mm-hmm. You got two franchise players. It's kind of hard not to be good. You had Justin Houston when he was young. Gurr, younger. And then Gakwe for a year. So you had players there. They've always had a super deep defensive backfield. There. Yeah, Okariki, that Kenny Moore that yeah, was randomly like a... Yeah. Pro Bowler for a couple of years. Rock Asin's always yeah. been a solid corner when he was there. And yet again, they were never a great defense. They mm-hmm. were good, not great. They couldn't. They weren't good enough to beat Jacksonville Week 17 when Jacksonville <laughs> went two and 15. <laughs> yeah. So that's that's who we hired because he runs a four three, and we were good in 2006. And runs a four three. I firmly believe that that was not Poles' hire. Because they they interviewed coaches before they interviewed the GM. They hired the GM. And they said, okay, you got you pick. And it was Eberflus. Because he runs a 4-3, and we were good in the 4-3. That's why they hired him. It was literally the McCaskey going like, I think we can recapture what we did in 2006. That's literally what that was. I guarantee it. Reports are going to come out saying that's what happened. Yeah. Um, Do you think there's any coach that's available or going to be available by next offseason that could actually turn around this Bears team? Or is there just no hope in what the roster we have and that we should just The roster turn we over. have, we should be better. If we just fix the offense and defense line, we'd be fine. But we didn't want to do it. We didn't want to overspend. We didn't want to overdraft. We we had we believed in our guys. Didn't want to overspend or overdraft with $170 million. We had like $40 million <laughs> more than the next person. That was the one time where if we overspend, no one would bat an eye and no one would be mad. Mm-hmm. And we chose not to do it and just go with bums. That's like that's the other thing. Like, I know Orlando Brown... And Jawan Taylor haven't really looked like that good this year. But why did we not just give one of them a contract? Just throw money at them. Jawan Taylor's are fine. He just does dumb stuff. Yeah. Orlando, we, we we both feel the same on Orlando. Yeah. He's not worth it, but he's I worth it. Give him the money. Time. Yeah, he's a name. He's somebody that gives a veteranship to that offensive line that we Super didn't Bowl have mentality, exactly. Winning mentality. Exactly. He won Oklahoma. He won Baltimore. He won Super Bowl with the Chiefs. And like in both. Baltimore and the Chiefs, he wasn't, I guess, always the best, but there were times where he looked like one of the best tackles in the league. 
he had his moments, and it he was stepped from up in that seasons. Super Bowl. Exactly, and he played great against that vaunted pass rush of Hassan Riddick, Josh Sweat, Brandon Graham. None of those guys did anything against him. Mm-hmm. He has that talent, and he's shown it for multiple years. So you know it's a legit talent, and you let him get stolen away when everybody was like, it was pretty pretty guaranteed that he was going to come to the Bears. He didn't, he didn't even make. He made sixteen million a year. Mm-hmm. Fourteen really, because it was it's like guarantees and stuff. So yeah. That to be honest is kind of a bargain. Mm-hmm. Why are we not throwing money, more money at Javon Hargrave? And you could argue that both those guys wanted to go be on a winning team, and they didn't think the Bears were ready. Draymond Jones, anybody, could have gotten him. Could have gotten uh, Zach Allen. But no, we signed two middle linebackers, two yeah, two off the ball linebackers, the least important position on the defense. Mm-hmm. And then we saw him. We signed, you know, a 30-year-old Andrew Billings, who's, in, I think we're going to have a breakout season. It's one of those guys. <laughs> He's going to have a breakout season. I can just feel it. I can feel it in my bones. He's having a breakout season. We hired Rasheem Green. I didn't even know who he was. Uh, who else did we sign? Demarcus Walker, who that was the first time I heard his name since Florida State. Mm-hmm. When I saw him, I got the ESPN alert. It was late at night. I believe I was coming home from the show. And I said, Demarcus Walker, is that the guy from Florida State? That I, I, last, I last remember from 2015. <laughs> And it was. And I was like, "Oh, he had seven sacks last year. Really? Wow! I didn't, I didn't, I didn't think he was in the league." And then we draft, uh, you know, two raw guys who aren't ready. Who there was no one thought Gervon Dexter was going to go that high. When I picked him, I was at Manny's, and I didn't know who he was. <laughs> My girlfriend was Creme, sh- our winner was shocked because I didn't know who he was. And we got a guy like like Pickens, who I know pretty well. What's up, Carolina Gamecock fan? Go Cox. He's not quite ready for the NFL year one. You know, he's got to get a little more physical, better in the run. He's got very good speed and athleticism. But so that's it. Then we 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 cut our best returning edge. Believe it or not, Travis Gibson last year was the number five run defender in the league at his position, and had the same amount of sacks as Demarcus Walker. And or two years ago, he had yeah. the same amount of sacks as Demarcus Walker, and uh, was the fifth most double team player in the league. Exactly. So this the guy, one game he didn't get double team, he had two sacks. It was against the Packers. He could have been exactly the same as a guy that we paid ten million. And then absolutely a year balled out in preseason. Mm-hmm. And then Terrell Lewis, who a guy that could have been a first round pick, got hurt. Up and down career with the Rams, got hurt. Finally healthy with the Bears, he was the best player during minicamp and OTAs. He looks great in training camp. He had three strip sacks or three sacks in the preseason. We cut him. We put Dominique out there. Dominique is still not ready. Hasn't made the progressions. They said that he wasn't allowed to use bull rush last year in practice because Braxton Jones couldn't handle it. So we're not developing Braxton either, and we're not developing him because he could use a bull rush because he's small. <laughs> so before the show, we talked about it a little bit. I want to talk about this with the last ten minutes that we have here for the Bears. Um, it's a little bit of a conspiracy theory, but. Are the Chicago Bears losing on purpose? Did they make all these signings that they knew wouldn't make that much of an impact on the defense and stuff? Huge conspiracy theory. They're running these plays that aren't fit for the offense or defense. Is it all just so that they can just be bad? I don't think so. But the way they literally look like they're sabotaging themselves at mm-hmm. times. So it's, it's a valid thing. I mean, Poles didn't draft Justin Fields. Poles has been going to all the college games he's gone to feature big-time quarterbacks. He went to the USC game. He went to uh, 
Go watch Shadur Sanders play. You went to the North Carolina, South Carolina game. Rattler and uh, Drake May. Who Drake May would probably be a top five pick. Rattler, he's he's back. I hate Rattler. <laughs> he's a bad guy, but he can throw the ball. He's got a terrible offensive line. He can throw that ball. Whew. That throws, he throws one of the best balls I've ever seen. So you're looking at those guys, and it's like, you know, he didn't really, he's never really glowed about Justin Fields. He's never really, I feel, never given like an emphatic, I'm behind this guy and he's my guy. And you're getting to a point where it's like, okay, might as well just tank now. We're already, only two teams only have a 10% chance of making playoffs. So now, now we're getting to a point, it's like, why not? Iberfus definitely isn't his guy. His thinking was, okay, let's just get like the luxury positions good this year, like the linebackers, and then we'll be bad. We'll get the quarterback, and then then we'll get the the linemen. But let's get the little luxury positions, like the receiver, the running back, Roshan Johnson, uh, the off the off the ball linebackers. You know, we'll lock up our tight end who we think's good. Luxury positions. Mm-hmm. We don't really don't need it. Not like offensive line where you desperately need that, or defensive line where you desperately need that in a very pass happy league. Let's get the luxury positions. I can see why he why he's doing that. I think he knew Carolina was going to be bad this year, especially after losing DJ Moore. Mm-hmm. Plus, you know, new system, new coaches, new everything, a lot of turnover. Ryan Burns wants out, so I can see maybe what he was thinking ahead of time. But I don't think we're purposely losing. It looks like it sometimes, but sheesh. I mean, when you run three screen passes and the defense sits on the third one and returns it for a pick six on the goal line in a clutch time moment. Yeah, it, it, it could be possible. Who knows? It could all be scripted for all we know. I mean, I guess they, yeah. had, they had the ad for it, so maybe they were trying to tell us something. <laughs> um, what, is, what is your prediction for this week against the Chiefs? We lose by two touchdowns. 14 to 17 points. Okay. Chiefs offense does not look good. I believe Nagy's calling the plays. It looks yeah. like it. Well, I heard um, they were talking about that like he wasn't going to be doing it anymore, basically, just because yeah. it hasn't looked yes, good. It looks absolutely terrible. Well, and then that, and then like Pacheco's not getting like the carries that he deserves. Yeah, he doesn't want to run the ball. And when he does find a good running back, he doesn't want to give it to him. Exactly. exactly. <laughs> Montgomery. When Montgomery was young. Do you think there will be any more positives? So, like, how we had Claypool come out and just kind of have that little extra energy. Do you see any of that happening in this game against Kansas City just because they feel like it's an unwinnable game that they're just going to come out and just play? The uh, Chiefs' run defense is questionable, in mm-hmm. my opinion. I think uh, maybe Roshan has a good game. At least uh, submits his uh, place as our number one running back. I mean, I do like can't play any worse, so maybe we get a couple sacks. <laughs> and it's these two new offensive tackles. So that and maybe Fields maybe comes around a little bit. Not going into the best defense historically. That would be nice. That would be very nice. Um, do you feel that there's any shot this team can get over three wins this season? Yeah. I don't think we're that bad. The way we're playing, yeah. But <laughs> I think we'll eventually figure it out in some sense. Mm-hmm. I think eventually we'll be able to run the ball once we get Jenkins back and maybe Nate Davis learns how to play football and Whitehair goes back to center and Darnell gets more comfortable. But uh, I'm thinking most most we can get is five at this point. Yeah. I feel Because like- our schedule looks harder and harder by the week. All of a sudden the commanders are good. You know, the Lions are legit. 
Mm-hmm. Vikings are very, they're only two, but they're very close to being 2-0. A couple turnovers here and there, they're 2-0. Hmm. So, they look better than I thought they would. They still own two, they still suck, but they look better <laughs> than I thought. We'll get into the rest of the NFL teams here in a little bit. We've we've got you guys enough on the Chicago Bears. It's enough ranting on them. Let's talk about some good football that we saw this week. We're going to take a quick break here. When we come back, like I said, we'll go through the rest of that NFL slate. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Blue Jay Boys Show. How's it going, folks? This is Big Chuck coming at you live with WRC 88.7 FM Blue Jay Radio, and you're listening to the award-winning Blue Jay Boys show. With me to my left, I got Sackman. If you guys are just tuning in, you missed us talk about very in-depth the Chicago Bears and how awful they are. Now that we're going to move on to the rest of the NFL, we can get on to some good games, starting off with the Thursday night game between the Philadelphia Eagles and the Minnesota Vikings. Sackley, what did you like about the Eagles in this game? They just said, screw it, we're going to run the football. We're bigger, better, faster, and stronger than you. We're going to run the ball, and there's not a damn thing you can do about it. That's what they decided to do. DeAndre Swift, who I'm very excited about on the Eagles, who I've always thought was very good. He was my RB1 coming out of the 2020 draft. He showed, he looked great. Fantastic. He's fast, he's elusive, he can catch. He looked great. Now, there was some controversy about, you know, A.J. Brown getting mad about not getting the ball and all that. But that, that'll work out. Him and Jalen Hurts are best friends. Devontae Smith got even better in his third year. He looks fantastic. For two games, he's their number one receiver. They might have, they're jockeying for position right now. He might have overtook A.J. Brown. But yeah, Eagles' run game just was fantastic. Mm-hmm. They relied on the offensive line to said, we're better, better than you. And there's nothing you can do about it. <coughs> um, DeAndre Swift came into the season not as the lead back. Do you think that changes after this game? He's the lead back. I don't even, who do they even have at lead Kenneth back? Kenneth Gainwell. Gainwell's good. I like Gainwell. He led them in rushing yards in the playoffs, but DeAndre Swift is much better than him. Mm-hmm. It's sorry. It's, this one needs to be done. Mm-hmm. I know he's your guy again. He's been with you for three years now, but it's time to uh, put with the cream rise to the top and put in DeAndre Swift. Mm-hmm. Um, do you think this Eagles team can continue to win fully on the run game? Or do you think they're going to have to kind of go back to the pass game? And do you think they're still going to be able to be as dominant as they were with what they have? They're not going to be able to rely on the run game as much as years have passed. But they, they've they always had the passing game. It's just mm-hmm. teams are playing them different now because they've seen the system. They're not letting anything go deep. So they're making you either have to run the ball Complete passes short. Basically what they did to the Chiefs in 2021 when the Chiefs looked terrible for like half the season. That's what they're doing to them now. They got a new offensive coordinator, Brian Johnson. He's still figuring it out. But at the end of the day, you, they're going to be able to run the ball against whoever they want. Maybe other than Cowboys and 49ers, they can dominate in the run game. I'd be careful not to rely on that too much because, you know, Kelsey's 35. Lane Johnson's like 33. These guys can very easily get hurt. Mm-hmm. But offensively, they'll be fine. I'm not worried. Um, did you see in giving up 28 points to the Vikings, is that a result of the Vikings offense still being a solid offense, or is there some weaknesses in this younger defense that the Eagles have this year? That's just the Vikings. I mean, Kirk Cousins is going to put up yards and touchdowns. You got Justin Jefferson. The Vikings didn't do anything in the run game, so their run defense is perfectly fine. It's just they're going to put up points at offense. They have a great system, great quarterback. The best receiver in the league, they're going to put up points. I'm not worried about their defense. Mm-hmm. 
Um, kind of moving over to the Vikings, are you worried about their run game at all? Kind of we talked about how good Alexander Madison is single-handedly bringing value back to the running back position because he looks terrible. <laughs> they desperately miss Dalvin Cook. And they got Ty Chandler behind him. He's not much better. I mean, they have their offensive line is not good. I don't care. They're not, Darisol is very, very good, but he's always hurt. Just like Tevin Jenkins, two guys we decided in which who to draft that year. Both always get hurt. Then you got Ed Ingram at right guard, who's just a chud. <laughs> He's bad. He was, I believe, the worst right guard in the league last year. Mm-hmm. Not much better this year. O'Neal is a solid tackle. He's getting up there. Bradbury's a solid center, but I don't. See, they can't run block. Mm-hmm. So how good really are they? Yeah. And now, now they don't have a stallion in the backfield. So that he can't make up for that, make him look good sometimes. So, mm-hmm. um, that's where we're at. I mean, they can't stop the run and they can't run the ball. They do all the pretty things well, but not the ugly things that you need. They can't. They don't play good defense. They don't stop the run. They can't run the ball. I mean, they didn't do good. They didn't do very good pass protecting either. Kirk Cousins was taking hits. None of them were pass. Uh, were roughing the passers. He was just getting hit in the head. Mm-hmm. Or Kirk, Kirk Cousins was a great guy. Like. <laughs> All the things he said in the post-game press conference, he didn't take any, he didn't put uh, any blame on anyone else. Even when running backs were fumbling, he put it on, on himself. He's such a great guy. Mm-hmm. Like I really do hope that like the Jets trade for him. He just leads them to a Super Bowl. Yeah, I mean, you're you're talking about that post-game press conference, and I saw, uh, kind of relating this back to the Bears. I saw a side by side of his right, post-game and Justin, and Fields. Justin Fields' post-game. Yeah. And how Kirk Cousins, like you said, took the blame for how that game ended up and how they had a shot. And he was like, if I just threw a better ball, it would have worked out. He's like, that's on me. I got to fix that. Whereas they flipped over to Justin Fields and his was, well, Luke Getzey didn't call a good play. So that's why we were screwed in the end of the game there. Uh, that's why we lost the game, basically. And he's like, I guess we just have to do better. Um, yeah. What What mm-hmm. is something that allows Kirk Cousins, so he's that humble, that good. Do you think that's something that helps him play better and helps him have more yeah, of a rapport with the team? We saw in that quarterback document, he's tireless in him getting better. You saw the stuff he does with his body that looks rough, and they're mushing him up and you know making sure his body's good. Because he took the most hits in the NFL last year, all quarterbacks. He does everything he possibly can. He said, I read a good article about him, Bob. His love for football is so immense, that, but it's the lo- his love of football has also killed him. You know, all the heartbreak, all the losses, all the hits, concussions, injuries, all that. How it keeps on putting him through a lot, but he's just, that's who he is. He's not going to back down. He was the guy that, you know, wasn't highly recruited, was a fourth-round pick. He's not backing down. He's a great guy. You know, he's got good head on his shoulders. He's very religious. He's a guy that's, you know, he's going to do everything right. He's not going to be himself in terms of life, the game of life. That's just how he is. He's extremely humble. He's a good husband, father, as we saw in the documentary. That's just who he is. Starting off this season 0-2, is this the last of the Kirk Cousins Vikings tenure? What I believe about the Vikings is they thought that they were going to stink last year. This year would have been the first year of the rebuild. But then they became the flukiest 13-14 and 14 we've ever seen. And then now as we get into this season, you know, they lose some more guys. The old defenders leave, like Kendricks and Peterson. Now they're they're not looking good. They're 0-2, right? I think if they lose a couple more games, they play the Chargers this week. So the Chargers are also 0-2, and they're not they're supposed to be good. A lot of people had them winning the division for whatever reason. If they lose this, they're 0-3. You're not making the playoffs. There's a five percent chance. So 
it might be the end. Do you see that end coming before the end of the season? Or is that something that you think they'll ride out until the end of the I season? I think they'll ride it out to the end of the season. He's too good to trade him during the season. Because then who do you have? Who even is their backup? That's a great is question. It, oh, it's um the dude they drafted Nick, last year. Nick Mullins? No, well, I mean, Mullins might still be there, but the uh, the Texas A&M guy. Uh, oh, he's gone. Oh, where? They they cut him a long time ago. Oh, it is Nick Mullins still, yeah. Nick Mullins, okay, yeah, they cut him. He, okay. He's... He was supposed to be the Browns. Kel- Kellen Mond. Yeah. yeah. He was supposed to be the Browns' second-string quarterback, but mm-hmm. DTR beat him out. DTR should be starting the way he's the <laughs> Lejean Watson's looking. We'll get to that. We'll get to that. Um, so, if there is this hypo- hypothetical world that he does get traded in the middle of the season, let's say to a team like the New York Jets, do you see that at all being a possibility? And then what would that trade look like? I can see that happening. It'd be a first round pick and maybe some more. But Kirk's on a big contract, so that will cut into the compensation. Compensation, sorry. Mm-hmm. But at least a first rounder. Yeah. I mean, he's old. He's on a big deal. That was against him. Uh, he obviously hasn't really won the big games, as we all know. We all he people were giving him a flag for not winning in prime time against there. He did everything he could. Yeah. Three hundred plus yards, four touchdowns. He tends to high do that completion a lot. percentage. And yeah. People still. He won, he's won a few big primetime games mm-hmm. the last few years. He went to New Orleans, beat them in the playoffs a few years ago. Mm-hmm. But it's not his fault because by the time he truly mastered the Minnesota game, he, the defense was no longer there. Yeah. That in the run game. Cook got older. He doesn't look good on the Jets. And Madison is not good. <laughs> if you feel bad for Madison, he got some very bad vitriol. DMs after the game. That's unacceptable. We can't allow that as football fans. It was a bad week. Football fans across America as a Dolphins fan beat a Patriots fan to death. Uh, we saw we the guy that hit Travis Hunter is now getting death threats. So as a country, as us football fans, we need to be more mature and, you know, not do those things. So that's where we're at in society. Yeah. It's it's a rough week to be a football fan. Not a, Not a good week. Yeah. Not not a good look in general. And then Nick Chubb's leg is smattered to smithereens. <laughs> we'll get to that, too. Um, let's move on to our next game. Let's stay in the NFC North. Let's talk about the Green Bay Packers against the Atlanta Falcons. Who thought the Atlanta Falcons were going to be 2-0 at this point in the season and beating a decently good team in the Green Bay Packers? I thought I thought they had a chance, you know. Carolina's not good, and I didn't think Green Bay was going to be very good. I was surprised Green Bay won week, one, week one by that much. I figured they'd beat the Bears, but not by that much. Yeah. I mean, Desmond Ritter looks solid. Dijon Robinson was worth it. I don't care. He looks fantastic out there. He looks like he's a different species of human being. Like, everyone's playing in slow motion. He's playing in fast motion. Mm-hmm. You got Algier. He's still hitting it hard in there. Drake London came to life. Now they just need to get the ball to Pitts a little more. Mm-hmm. Janu Smith, you know, the former Tennessee tight end that was looking good when he was there. He's getting involved. The defense is there. Uh, Ritter, you know, they don't really like Ritter. People kind of make fun of him. He's in Atlanta. You know, he looks like he's from like World War One. <laughs> he also kind of looks, he is the weirdest looking gentleman I've ever seen. He's a unique looking human being. That's only a face a mother could love. <laughs> and his wonderful fiance, whom he has a young child with. But he, I like him. I personally like Desmond Ritter. He's 30. Did you know that he's 30 and 0 in college and NFL home games? Wow. 30 and 0. So at the very minimum, he's a winner. I like him. He had a rushing touchdown. He had a pass touchdown. 
I think they they should let him do more in the passing game. He, that one throw he had week one where he dotted it in there between like three defense. Oof. And he's athletic. Let him run. Do the rollouts. That's what it's good in the scheme. The, you know, the play action pass rollouts that we've been supposed to run for 10 years now, but we don't run. <laughs> I like the Falcons. I think it's going to come down between them and the Saints. Fat division. Yeah. I mean, the Falcons are just doing what the Bears should be doing. Yeah. Literally, their whole offense is like, I would say the Bears' offense is at the same as the Falcons, if not better. So like, scheme? Yeah. Yeah. If we run the scheme or, like, like it's supposed or, I mean, to, yeah. Just like talent. I think we have oh, better yeah. talent. We have better receivers. I'll give them the edge running back wise. Mm-hmm. Offensive line, they don't really have very talented. Exactly. Jake Matthews is old. They got, I believe, a Hennessy at center. That's, uh, that's so, yeah. perfect for Atlanta. <laughs> uh, they got Mitch, uh, Mitch McGarry, right? Mm-hmm. No, that's the basketball player. No. C- Caleb McGarry. Caleb McGarry. Yeah, Mitch McGarry was the basketball player. Okay. No, he he's still with the team. That was the other guy. Yeah. yeah. He's good. I like the Bears again to be the right tackle, but we didn't, of course. They got Lindstrom at guard, who's a beast. Mm-hmm. He's very good. They have a good offensive line. Tight end group, I'll give it to them. I just would love to see Pitts get the ball more. He's that talented. We saw what he did when he hit Matt Ryan at quarterback. Get him the ball. I like this Atlanta team. Mm-hmm. If they keep playing the way they do, they're going to win a lot of games. Mm-hmm. I like them. Um, going over the Packers side of things, after that dominant week one against the Chicago Bears, did they look really any different, or were they just outplayed by Atlanta Falcons? They against a better opponent, that's for sure. Love is not impressing me. He knows to make the right decisions. Mm-hmm. He's getting the ball to the guy that's supposed to go to the ball, but he's not doing anything extra. He's just being game manager right now. You he, know, 150 yards. He looks like a backup quarterback, in my opinion. Like a guy that, like yeah. the Nick Foles role in Philadelphia, yeah, where you just, just come in and game manage. He's just doing what he's supposed to do. Nothing more. Mm-hmm. That's what you got a quarterback now. Now you have no Bakhtiari. You got no Elton Jenkins. That run game's not going to be there. Aaron Jones is hurt, which I predicted coming in this year. He was finally going to be too old. He was finally not going to kill us. He's still killing us, but at least he's too old now. <laughs> he tore, he hurt his hamstring scoring a touchdown mm-hmm. at the goal line. He hurt his hamstring. I knew that was going to happen. A.J. Dillon's a fraud. I don't think A.J. Dillon's very good, actually. He averages three yards a carry. He's not very fast. Questionable hands. Fraudulent hands. <laughs> I don't believe in him. They don't have anyone else behind them. Tight ends, they lost Mercedes and Tanyan. That uh, Musgrave looks good. He's 204 pounds. Yeah, but he's, he's stepped in really early into a significant t- Him and Tucker Craft, the yeah. two rookies. I like him. And then these rookie wide receivers, are they're kind of making me a little angry. They do actually do look good. Dontavian Wicks and Jalen Reed look good. Yeah, Jaden Reed is looking I'm, real I'm nice. I'm kind of mad. They, they look better than our receivers that we paid $20 million for <laughs> and traded second-round picks, but really it was the first-round pick for it. But, yeah, they look good. Stop eating the microphone, exactly. No. Got plenty of so, yeah, I'm a little agitated on how they look, but I was happy to see that Jair Alexander got, like, head-tapped as well. I hate Jair Alexander. <laughs> He's so fraudulent. Um, You know, kind of based off these two weeks, are the Packers playoff contenders at all? Do you see that Matt LaFleur bringing them? That's the Packers. I'm sorry, Ian. I... I... I, I do I do sound effects in this. That was the first one of the year. I hope that was on the microphone. No, I don't see them. Their defense isn't good enough to... They'll be great against the Bears. Their defense will be fantastic <laughs> against the Bears. I don't see that defense keeping that up for 17 games. I really don't. They were bad last year. They didn't really add anyone this year. 
They got Rashawn Gary back. That was it. I just don't see it. Love's not going to make enough plays in the passing game. He'll make the right decisions. He'll, you know, he'll do the easy stuff, but he ain't going to bring home the, the bacon. Mm-hmm. Um, let's jump on into the last NFC North game. Uh, just in case you guys weren't watching this weekend, every single NFC North team lost. So they are definitely the worst division of, division of football right now. Yeah. Um, the Detroit Lions took an L to the Seattle Seahawks, 37-31. What did you like from the Seahawks in this game? They aired it out. I mean, Tyler Lockett and D.J. Metcalf were both involved. How many passing yards did uh 328 and two touchdowns. Yeah. That's what I expected coming into the game. I'm sorry, coming into the season. I don't know what they did week one. That was a Sean McVay masterclass performance. <laughs> but the, the Seahawks... I expected the Seahawks to challenge the 49ers for the division coming into this year. They put the defense is still questionable. Obviously, thirty-one, and then they got smacked week one as well. I need to see the defense take that next step, but offensively, that's what I expect. Geno continued to air it out. They look put up points. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, looking at kind of that Lions defense too, but the Seahawks only gave up one sack in this game for an uh, offensive line that had to sign Jason Peters as insurance to help him out, the 97-year-old. Was he their starting left tackle? I don't think he was starting, but I think they just signed him as a backup right now. Yeah. Um, but again, so, you, I believe Ab- Abraham Lucas is yeah, out as well. Um, but, you know, that's pretty impressive. One thing I want to see from this Detroit Lions team is for, through the first two weeks, people have talked about how Aiden Hutchinson has gotten so many pressures and all of this and all of that. Aiden Hutchinson does not get off a block. He needs to finish. He will drive a dude back all the way into the quarterback's lap, and then he just sits there with the offensive tackle. He does that a lot. All the He's time. not strong enough to just do what he did in college and just run through people. Exactly. Like I, yeah, and, I can do that in the, in the NFL. And you saw it in that – uh, his rookie season, too. And I thought maybe that would be something he'd work on this offseason is just building a little muscle, maybe working on some better speed moves so that you don't have to rely on your power moves. But he didn't. And, again, he's getting the pressure back there, but then he doesn't disengage. Close but no cigar. He, if you're not getting it, it didn't matter. You know, and you're looking at that stat box, and you get you as a defense only have one sack, and the one sack is Alex Anzalone. Yeah, it was a blitz. Alex exactly. had two tackles. That was it. Exactly. You know, like, how how do you expect any kind of, you know, growth and how for him to become a star that everybody's expecting him to become if he's not growing? Yeah. Um, then your first-round pick, Campbell, who oh, I thought was a massive— I mean, he had— I, That made me so He had confused. six tackles, but if you're picking him ahead of the guys they picked him in the first round off the ball linebacker— Exactly. I haven't—Anzalone is still their best linebacker. Which, like, that was always the thing— I. I didn't think a middle linebacker, first of all, nowadays is just not worth a first-round pick. There are no. very few guys. Roquan yeah. Smith has been, like, the best. But then when you look at guys like Darius Leonard and Fred Warner getting taken in the late rounds or undrafted, and you see the yeah. kind of effect they have on a team, why are you taking a middle linebacker? Fred Warner is the only off-the-ball linebacker where it's a good decision to pay him. Him and Roquan, that's mm-hmm. it. Fred Warner is everywhere. Uh, we'll, get to, we'll get to that game. You can't escape was... him. And then to add insult to injury to the Bears – Guy said they should have signed Draymond Jones. He had a sack in this game mm-hmm. and a TFO. Yeah. Um, so I'm expecting more out of the, this Seahawks defense is too talented. You got a backfield of Tariq Woolen, who I thought should have been the defense rookie of the year. You got Devin Witherspoon, Quadre Diggs, 
Then you got linebacker core who's, of uh, Bobby Wagner, who's still good somehow. Uh, Jordan Brooks. I love Jordan Brooks. He's one of my favorite Very good. linebackers. Chen and Nwosu, who he had like 10 sacks last year. Then you got Draymond Jones. You got uh, <clears throat> Mario Edwards Jr., our old friend, <laughs> our old abusive friend. <laughs> Daryl Taylor, good young player. Uh, Derek Hall, mm-hmm. Tyreek Smith. Too talented to be playing like this. Yeah. I need to see more out of the Seahawks defense. Seahawks defense is the only thing stopping them from being a true Super Bowl contender in my mind. And I think I think they'll fix that. I mean, you look at a coach like Pete Carroll, and I said this a lot last year, I think Pete Carroll might be one of the best coaches of all time based off of yeah. what he was able to do last season when everybody thought they were going to be one of the worst teams in the league. thought they were going to be trash. And they, they ended were good. up being, being really good. Not just good, but like really good. Uh, you know, I think I, I can't lose faith in a team like that. I'm not. Yeah, they're fine. And honestly, I think the Rams are a pretty good team. I was I'm Rams very are solid. surprised through these first I thought weeks. they were going to be bad, but they're solid. So that first loss doesn't look that bad because it was a close game. And then this game, I think the Lions are a good team, too. I think the Lions are probably going to win the NFC North by the end of the year. That's my. I think guess. they should. It's not because of that they're going to be so great. It's that everyone no. else is just bad and they're a little bit better than everyone but else. But they're going to grab nine wins on the season, probably. They at least. should. If they don't. Then it's a travesty. Um, is there anything from this Lions game that you saw that you think could help them improve? Anything that they need to change? They need to get Jameer Gibbs more involved. He's too explosive. He drafted him too high not to use him. Montgomery's getting to a point. You can't give him the ball 25 times a game because he's going to get hurt. You left the game with a thigh injury. He's done this last two, three years in a row where he got hurt earlier in the year. Because he just handed him the ball every play. He's not at that point anymore. You need to get him more involved because you don't have a legitimate number two receiver. You got a bunch of guys that play hard, play well. Reynolds is stepping up. Cleef mm-hmm. Raymond had a touchdown, but you got to get him more involved in the pass game. He needs to have at least five, six catches a game. Mm-hmm. So, um, One last thing about this Lions team. I want to shout out Jared Goff. He lost his streak of consecutive pass attempts without an interception. He still had an awesome game. Uh, I'm... Kind of putting Jerry Goff in my MVP conversation so far. Yeah. yeah, He, he had a great game. Mm-hmm. I mean, we look at the stats here. I mean, oh, why isn't he in the stats? Okay, one second. Sorry. He had, he had 323, yeah. three touchdowns. Three touchdowns. No, he only had one bad play. Mm-hmm. That was it. <laughs> 121 rating, 77.9 QPR. I mean, he played great. Do you think there's any shot that he ends up winning that MVP? If they win the division, get more than nine wins, yeah. Mm-hmm. There's no one else in the NFC other than Jalen Hurts, Dak. Purdy, that you know, it's not really a great group right there. It's yeah. not, yeah. Purdy, who he's fantastic, but you know, it's still Purdy. Put him on the bear, see how he does. Hertz is great, he's solidified, and Dak is iffy at times. Mm-hmm. So, I don't know, that new girlfriend and new system looks good on him, so <laughs> for sure. I mean, I'm all team Jared Goff. I think back to I like him. that, he's that good year with the Rams where he was just phenomenal. He was a good quarterback. He's very over he's in the same category as Baker Mayfield. Mm-hmm. Way overhated. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. underrated as well. Exactly. That's kinda how I feel like Kirk Cousins has been. I think these past yeah. couple of years oh, he's yeah. been getting his flowers now a little he's bit getting more. His flowers, yeah. yeah. But yeah, that same kind of group. Uh, talking about more kind of mid quarterbacks, let's head over to <laughs> Las Vegas, taking an L to Buffalo. Buffalo gets their strength back after what happened on that big Monday night game. They finally come out and show who they really are. Win 38-10. to 10. What did you like from Buffalo this game? What I like, what's been missing from them for years now, is a legitimate running game. I look here, I look at the stats. I see James Cook, 
17 carries, 123 yards. Seven yards a carry, 123 yards right here. You got Damian Harris, good pickup from the big, nice physical downhill runner in Patriots. Seven carries, 33 yards, touchdown. 4.7 yards a carry. Okay, that's good. Latavius Murray still around, the ageless <laughs> wonder. Six carries, 22 yards. Okay, about four yards a carry. Another touchdown. You know what I like to see? Josh Allen only having That's three rushes. That's what I was about to say. <laughs> we don't need to see Josh Allen try to commit suicide every game. <laughs> Wonderful. Fantastic. We look at his passing. No picks. 31 to 37. Efficient. 274 yards, three touchdowns, no picks. Do that. This game plan, this output, you'll win 14 games doing that with this team, this defense. That, that The run game has hindered them the last two, three years. They need that run game. Every week you got to do it. Do you think this is something that James Cook can do every week? I mean, it's going to be hard to average seven yards to carry every week, but I think he can be a you know, 60 to 100-yard rusher every week. He's that talented. He's Dalvin Cook's brother. Mm-hmm. He's he's very talented. He's got he's fast. He's elusive. Receiving skills. And then you got a guy like Damian Harris to take some of the blow. Fast, hard runner. Get him downhill. Same with Latavius Murray. Big running back. Older, but hey, veteran. Pass blocking. He stays healthy. That man, out of He's anything. made out of steel. Uh-huh. <laughs> the amount of teams where he's... Uh, they signed him to be a backup, and then he had to be the starter for the whole season. Happened, first off, he... Last year in Baltimore. <laughs> that he defied all things as an undrafted free agent, made the Pro Bowl with the Raiders. He had to do that with the Vikings when Delvin Cook got hurt multiple times. Went to New Orleans when... Uh, New Orleans that one year when everyone was uh, hurt. Uh, so that's just what he does. And you look at the receiving. When Gabe Davis plays well, they're fantastic. Six catch, nine two catch, touchdown, digs. Seven catches. Kincaid, who I think is interesting, a tight end. Five catches. I'd like to see more out of uh, Dawson Knox. They like this Deontay Hardy, formerly Deontay Harris. Yeah. Nice. Kind of looking at the other side, we got a very completely different Raiders team than we saw in that first week. That looked like they're out there kind of having fun against a Broncos team. Came out and just got demolished by a Bills team. Can this team win games with Jimmy Garoppolo as quarterback? No, because they can't run the ball. They have no running game. Josh Jacobs, nine carries, minus two yards. They don't have an offensive line. They didn't address the offensive line that might at be all. the worst offensive line unit in the entire league. Like They just have that Colton Miller. Then Other than that, they have no talent on that mm-hmm. offensive line. Got Alex Bars. That second-year left guard is pretty good, but he's like, he was like really under. He's like 280 pounds. And he's a second-year left guard with no veterans on that. Yeah, group. so it's like that gets negated. Defense isn't very good. They didn't really even address that other than getting Tyree Wilson, who they didn't really need because he got Max Crosby and Chandler Jones, but Chandler Jones went off the loony boon. I mean, it's just not – I can't really see them win. Defense line got Jerry Tillery, cast off. Isaac Rochelle, his wife, is more famous than him. <laughs> Adam Butler, the old Patriot. They get all the Patriots guys. Our, our buddy Bilal Nichols. Bilal Nichols. He, we know him. He's not going to put it together. He'll have a good stretch or a good game and then just... He'll have his uh, Roy Robertson-Harris stretch. Yeah, he'll have, yeah. <laughs> I'm so happy you said that. <laughs> this team is just... They didn't address any of their weaknesses. They just switched out quarterbacks and said, we're good. Mm-hmm. So, 
they really should have won like ten games last year. They blew five games like a ridiculous fashion. <laughs> so I'll give them six, seven wins. Jimmy G, you know, he has a good time in Vegas. <laughs> um, kind of going on that Kirk Cousins train that we went before. Is Josh Jacobs ever going to be a Raider again after this season? No. Do you think he makes it to the trade deadline? If they're bad, no. Someone will want him. Mm-hmm. You see the talent. He's very good. Mm-hmm. Raiders are just a. Uh... The Raiders. Once once a cutting-edge organization ahead of everybody in one of the elite organizations has just fallen into a pit the last 20 years. It's quite, I mean, growing up, I always liked the Raiders. My grandpa's next-door neighbor was on the team that made it to Super Bowl two. So, you know, I heard a lot about the Raiders growing up. He was Jim Otto's backup. So I've always been kind of intertwined with the Raiders. They just, they just don't have it anymore. Yeah. Simple as that. Um. What what teams do you think would be suitors for a guy like Josh Jacobs? <laughs> Bills, a team they just play. I would if I were them. Mm-hmm. One year deal. Sign play. me up. <laughs> Him and Cook would be a quite the duo. Uh, maybe Vikings. But if Vikings turn it around, then yeah, I would. Green Bay was interested in a running back, especially if Jones is going to miss. They wanted they tried trading for Jonathan Taylor. Uh, maybe the uh, Colts. Maybe they make a switcheroo. I could see the Raiders paying Jonathan Taylor for whatever reason. <laughs> uh, that would be such a nothing trade yeah, just for both teams just to pay the other they guy would, for they no would, reason. They, they would do that. Both those teams aren't very smart. <laughs> Jim Mercy will have you know, a few many uh, crown and cokes and just decide to do it. And then... Uh, um, Would the Cleveland Browns do it after what happened last night? We're going to jump into their I don't game think next. they need to panic because they have Jerome Ford who looked good. They got Kareem, they re signing Kareem Hunt. So you're basically at the same spot you were a year ago. <laughs> and you got Pierce Strong Jr., who's pretty good. I watched him a lot in college at South Dakota State. They'll be fine. They're just, Nick Chubb's just that guy. So he's easily replaceable, sadly. Mm-hmm. It was kind of sad that, like, that injury happened, and then Jerome Ford just ripped off a 70-yard run on the next drive. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. Well, that was Wonderful. Easy move. It's like, well, there goes that. Uh-huh. Nick uh, Chubb is just that guy. He's most beautiful runner I've ever seen. Hopping into that game. Um, <sighs> oh. what, a, what a tough one for the Cleveland Browns, first of all. That defense dominated that game. <laughs> it was just... Do you think this team, now that... <sighs> Now that Nick Chubb is out of the picture, gone. If you guys watch the video, like the moment, the moment you see him get hit, you're like, yeah, he's done. The Pray- prayers over. out to Nick Chubb. Yeah, it was. It's awful. I feel awful for him. That's bad. That was sad. I was sad. Yeah. Um. You know, looking at the future, that first after that first game, spirits were super high. People felt good about this Cleveland Browns team. Um, I, I think a lot of people preseason actually had them winning the AFC North. You know, do you think there's still a shot they can do that with possibly a more pass-oriented offense going forward in Deshaun Watson? It didn't matter if they had Nick Chubb or not. Deshaun Watson keeps playing like this. They're not going to win regardless. Maybe he knows. Maybe because we saw him doing that weird breathing thing with the Indian guy that was like his performance coach next to him. I think he knows he no longer has it. Okay, we give him last year knock off the rust, but like, what rust could there possibly? He can barely 
complete over 50% of his every every game he's had with the Browns. Barely over 50% completion. He's turning the ball over. He doesn't get most of he has one passing touchdown. He had two face mask penalties. That's him really realizing, oh, I can't get to the edge anymore. Ooh, I can't do this. I mean, I'm this is a guy, you know, I'm a I'm a normal guy. I work a nine to five. Okay, I was a very very mediocre D three for college football player. So I, I I often don't go off on players that much. Unless if it's on stuff that I clearly know, like, you know, offensive line stuff, maybe defensive line stuff. So I won't, I won't say too much about quarterbacks, but for him to do what he did off the field, that negates all of that. Mm-hmm. You come back, you get an opportunity, they give you the biggest deal, and you look like that. He lost them that game. The first play, he throws a bad pass to Hunter Bryant, who's blanketed, pick six. He fumbles that weird little run play where he didn't even get hit hard. Fumbles that. Fumble for touchdown to win the game. Didn't play well week one. He completed 53% of his passes week one, had an interception. Okay, he had a, a three-yard rushing touchdown off a wide-open, good-designed play and a one passing touchdown to Hunter Bryan from the three-yard line. He does not look good to me. If you're worried about the running game, Jerome Ford, 16 for 106 against the Steelers. Steelers are one of the best defenses in the league, in my opinion. Top five, the number one edge rusher duo in the league. Those boys are coming off the edge. I mean, he's got Mark Cooper. He's got Elijah Moore, Njoku, David Bell, Donovan Peoples-Jones, his old Texans teammate Jordan Aikens. Marquis Goodwin is, is good for one monster game a year. He has enough weapons. He's got the offensive line. Offensive line is fantastic. He's got a great defense supporting him on the other side. Their defense, they completely overhauled that defense in one offseason. Looks fantastic. Mm-hmm. Dominant through two games. They They... That front office, I give them so much credit because they just know they just knew how to build around Miles Garrett on that defensive yeah. side of the ball. Everything they did allowed for Miles Garrett to be able to move around the field wherever he wants and make plays wherever he yeah. wants. You get some big run stuffers up in the middle. They needed that. They get the fast DB linebacker hybrid guys like Owusu Koromora, Juan Thornhill, Anthony Walker. Newsom's a tremendous nickel. You got you know. War, Denzel Ward, who's a top five corner, in my you opinion. Could, you got a guy in Zadarius Smith who can take all the edge. Yeah, duties. who can, you know, hold his own. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, Dalvin Tomlinson is an underrated guy. Another decent pass rushing D tackle to help flush the quarterback out and right into his arms. I think Grant Delpit has one of the highest ceilings of any player yeah. in that. He just stays honestly. healthy. Yeah. yeah. Shelby Harris, quality three technique. They built it up. They built up the front. Mm-hmm. So he didn't. It wouldn't be all him. Mm-hmm. So, you know, with all that we just talked about, is this team still capable of possibly winning this AFC North without a Nick Chubb? Yeah, the running game will still be fine. That scheme in the offensive line, no matter who you have back there, they're going to be able to run the ball. It comes down, the reason why they've had to run the ball with like that with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt these past few years is because the quarterback isn't up to par. We've, we know Deshaun Watson's very good. Can he? Can he... Turn back the clock and do it. He's only like 27. He's looked terrible. That game was on him. No one else. I made a video on TikTok. People were mad. That was on him. Mm. If you're going to do all that off the field, I'm not going to be nice to you in terms of how I critique you when you play bad. So he needs to step it up. I need to see at least 60% completion percentage. He's missing open throws. He's not running when he needs to. 
He's grabbing face masks all of a sudden. That's him knowing that he doesn't have it anymore. That's why he has to do this weird breathing stuff now to get in the right mindset. I don't know. Maybe he needs massages. I don't know. I'm not happy with him. I've, if it wasn't, you know, FCC, I'd be swearing right now. You can't get all that, do all that, and then play like that. I mean, if I were Stefanski, I would have just brought him Bill O'Brien and just have him run the Houston Texans offense. <laughs> Not even be around him. Just, I wouldn't even want to be around him. I would agree if I thought that Bill O'Brien ever deserves a real job <laughs> again. But He's got the Patriots looking better. Yeah. Let's move on to the next AFC North matchup that happened this past weekend. We had the Baltimore Ravens taking on the Cincinnati Bengals, and they sent the Cincinnati Bengals to 0-2 while they're sitting pretty at 2-0. How real is this Baltimore Ravens team if they can stay healthy? <laughs> they can just drink your milk, drink your protein powder, get in the cold tub, finish it off in the hot tub, or vice versa. You know, go to sleep a little extra early, drink a little more water, do whatever <laughs> the hell it takes to stay healthy. This team can be quite good. I believe in this team with all my heart. Lamar Jackson, after week one, was a little shaky. Much better in this new offense. Zay Flowers is the best rookie receiver other than the random Jeremy Lin run of Puka Nakua, who I picked up on fantasy, by the way, ladies and gentlemen. I mean, you look at Lamar's stat line, threw it 33 times. That's a lot for, you know, what we've seen from the first five years. 237 yards, seven yards a pass, two touchdowns, no picks, no sacks. 81 QBR. Higher than any other quarterback I've illustrated so far. Running back, you know. It's a little, not that they lost Dobbins, it's kind of by committee, but hey, Gus Edwards, five, six yards to carry and a touchdown. Lamar's obviously can run. Justice Hill, the original young running back that they had, you know, 41 yards. Devin DuVernay, get him involved. Well, 178 yards against a good defensive line, good front seven. That will work. Nelson Aguilar, somehow, someway, still makes plays. He'll have some horrendous drops, but he'll make plays. <laughs> then you got Zay Flowers, who looks very good through two weeks. Odell's again back, you know, three three catches each game. Do you think there's any realness? I know he came out and said that the ankle injury isn't that serious, but do you think that is anything that can kind of halt any progress he would have made to going back to being a solid receiver? If he misses games, he's not he's not that guy at this point. He never will be. He had back-to-back ACL tears. I love him, but that Odell's gone. There's no – it's like how we used to be with D. Rose. Oh, is he back this year? <laughs> hey, he didn't tear his knee up again. Is he back? <laughs> He's just not that guy anymore. It's sad. Mm-hmm. If he didn't get her, he'd be one of the best of all time. He was electric. Electrifying. Devin Hester, you are ridiculous. That electrifying. <laughs> but hey, then you got Mark Andrews, five catches, 45 and a touchdown. Isaiah Likely, a catch. You know, they'll get the running backs all Justin Hill. And, you know, he's still got Bateman. Bateman's solid, too. Mm-hmm. If he just stays healthy. They got him. But what really gives me a high ceiling with the team is that defense. They've always struggled against the Bengals, so that was a good showing for them against the Bengals. We got, you know, obviously Roquan Smith was a beast. Kyle Hamilton was a steal. Ojabo was basically a first-round pick. Mm-hmm. He looked very good week one. He had a sack. He had two tackles this game, both solo. Michael Pierce has a good run-stuffing nose. Matabuke, same with him. Jadavion Clowney had a sack. No way. <laughs> Clowney's back, baby. <laughs> Rocky Sin is solid, you know, they got Adafi Owe. 
You know, Patrick Queen's a nice compliment. Queen is solid. Roquan? Yeah, he. they thought he could be that guy. He's not that guy. He's the compliment. He's the Robin to the Batman. Yeah. It's perfectly he's, fine. He's the Lance Briggs to the Brian Erlacher. That's oh. all they need. <laughs> yes. Um, let's move over and talk about the Cincinnati Bengals for a little bit. Last year, they started 0-2, <sighs> made it all the way to the AFC Championship. This year, they're starting 0-2. Is this a different feeling than you had from the Ooh, Cincinnati yeah. Bengals of last year? Yeah, because uh, Joe Burrow's hurt. He's got that calf. He missed all training camp with that. He, you know, he's gonna have to move with this offensive line. It's still not great. He only got sacked a couple times, but it's still not great. They're gonna have a tough game against the Rams, and the Titans always play them well. Then the Cardinals. So the next two games, you know, it could very realistically be one and three. I think they'll win at least one of these next two games, but. You start out one and three. It's not, not looking good for you, especially in this tough AFC. But it's now or never with this team. If they lose week three, they're done. Mm-hmm. They're not making the playoffs. Not in the, this AFC. So this is do or die. And I don't know if they're gonna have Joe Burrow for that. You know, their, off- their offense does not look good. You know, Burrow's rusty. They got Higgins involved this game. You know, he didn't have any catches week one. Chase is still not connecting. Uh, they are, they're missing Hayden Hurst. He was legitimate tight end. They got Irv Smith. He's not going to do much. He hasn't done much. They're not really spreading the ball around. Defensively, they're fine. They did fine week one. They just bad conditions. Yeah. But that's now or never. The good news is they have a good punt return with Charlie Jones, who I think should be their number four receiver. Get him involved. He's very good. He'll replace Boyd when Boyd leaves. What what do you feel was the issue with this offense before Burrow got hurt here? Like what 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 was wrong with him? Why isn't Joe Mixon getting the same production he's been getting? Like what's Mix, going Mixon's on? old. I've never been a Joe Mixon fan. He's he's declining. He's not behind a good offensive line either. So you got the fact that first off, Joe Burrow was just rusty. You missed the whole training camp. You're not going to play well. He and they went against the Browns. The Browns are the Bengals for kryptonite. Browns play the Bengals ten times. The Browns win nine times. For whatever reason. This game they played better. It's just they're not running it well. They had to pass it 41 times. And they just... Chase isn't connecting. They're not getting the big plays from Jamar Chase. That's what it is. The 80-yard catch and runs, the deep balls. They're not getting it. They, they're, this is a big play offense. Explosive offense. And you have the, the enigma of uh, Zach Taylor. We still don't know if he's good or bad, really. We really don't. And you have all this talent. You've only scored twenty-seven points through two weeks. And and granted, we've we've talked a lot about the Browns' defense and the Ravens' defense and how yeah, Ravens' defense. They're both good defenses. I, I would say they're both top top fifteen, top probably 10. top ten defenses in the league. Yeah. Top ten. So I mean, you got to give them a little credit for that, yeah, I guess. I will. But I mean, it's just. I think it all comes back down to the offensive line again. Well, then they're never going to have a good offensive line. Well, I just I think at one point it catches up to them. Oh, I think yeah. it's starting to catch up to them. Without a doubt. But Joe Burrow's taking so many hits mm-hmm. throughout his career. I mean, that's part, probably part of the reason he's getting injured now is because, again, it's just all catching up to him. They add up. Mm-hmm. Um, do you feel that this Bengals team can turn it around if there's any chance that Joe Burrow plays sooner rather than later if – you know, if Burrow misses a game or two, they're not. Mm-hmm. 
If he comes back week three and balls out and they beat the Rams on Monday night, we're back. We're in the same spot we were last year. Mm-hmm. Anything can happen. They'll beat the Steelers. Steelers don't have the offense to do it. Browns will be lucky if they split. They'll beat the Ravens probably for the second time. And then this AFC is going to be tough, man. Let's head on over to another divisional matchup. The San Francisco 49ers taking on the Los Angeles Rams. The Rams put up a fight in this one for sure, but still lose out to a very good San Francisco 49ers team. How how legit is this Rams team? Do you think this performance that they put on, even with Matthew Stafford throwing two picks, do you think it's it's a legitimate chance that they could be competing for a playoff spot this year? Oh, without it's the NFC. NFC is terrible. <laughs> they could play like this, they'll at least be a six seed. They're legit. You got Sean McVay. If you just give Sean McVay, like, you just gave him a lemon, <laughs> just one lemon, he'll make the most delicious lemonade you've ever tasted. <laughs> He's that type of coach. Last reason, I lasted, reason why they were bad last year is because the offensive line, a bunch of injuries, Stafford was out. These guys just stay healthy. They don't even have Cooper Cup right now. Mm-hmm. Puka Nakua, Puka Nakua is stepping up. You got Tutu Atwell, who looks great, who looks like, you know, anorexic Tyreek Hill. <laughs> it's basically what he is. He's 150 pounds, soaking wet. Higby's back. Kyron Williams is one of the best dual threat running backs yeah, already. They're having that they're having their annual uh fight with Cam Akers. They said they're gonna trade him, but he'll be their starting running back by week eleven. <laughs> but Kyron Williams looks good. I mean, they're gonna need someone behind him, who I believe is Ronnie Rivers, who me and him were just as fast. I mean, the way Nakua and Ben Skronik were running the ball, they could just do end arounds every other yeah, play. Get it in a, I mean, when Cooper Cup comes back with Nakua and Atwell, I mean, all of a sudden, that's a formidable top three receivers. <laughs> Not quite Cup, Woods, and Odell, but they're matching that production. Mm-hmm. We got the defense. Defense is solid. You know, when you only allow 30 against the Niners, you know, there were some turnovers, but. I mean, any defense with Aaron Donald is is going to be solid. Yeah, he's the only he, he there's a reason why he hasn't really been producing much cuz he's the only guy. Mm-hmm. He's taken up three guys. They don't have anyone else that's even really like Byron Young and Russ Yeast, mm-hmm. Michael Hoyt who's like a three technique that plays outside linebacker now. It's kind of <laughs> nuts. Ernest Jones, they signed that John Johnson guy back. Yeah. Um they're they're hanging in there. I mean, Going over to the other sideline, what is the ceiling of the San Francisco 49ers? How many wins can can they get this season? 15 is the ceiling. They're that good. Brock Purdy does not make any mistakes. <laughs> I've really yet to see him make a throw. It's like, why would you throw that? He is flawless. It's, rid- it's ridiculous. Every game, his quarterback rating is above 70, which is hard to do. Mm-hmm. He gets the right guy every time on time. McCaffrey looks like Walter Payton now. I guess his injury woes for now are behind him. Debo Samuel is back to being Debo. Five carries, 38 yards, and a touchdown. Jawan Jennings made some huge plays for them in this As game. As always against the Rams. He owns the Rams. <laughs> and Debo, 63 yards receiving. Ayuk looked like Jerry Rice week one. Kittle's Kittle. Great. They really didn't even spread the ball around that much this game. 
But for me, what does it is that defense. You got the best off-the-ball linebacker in the league in Fred Warner. You got all those guys up front. You got Nick Bosa, Eric Armstead, Javon Hargrave. Those are the three guys we know. There's a lot of guys that aren't household names. That Drake Jackson had three sacks week one. Second-year player out of nowhere. Uh, Javon Kinlaw, the old original first-round pick, he's a talented guy when he stays healthy. Cleveland Farrell is resurrecting his career. Very talented. I mean, you got Sean Gibson. We know him. He's a very good safety. Diamondor Lauren and Shavars Ward have, have uh, you know, they brought home the bacon at corner the last two years. Tanoa Hufunga is the reincarnation of Troy Palomalu. He is fantastic. Mm-hmm. He is wonderful. And then you got, you know, a guy like Isaiah Oliver comes out of nowhere, gets a pick. Diamondor Lador had a pick. Off a good quarterback. They have a great field goal kicker. He was a question mark because they no longer had Robbie Gold. But Jake Moody out of Michigan is fantastic. Three for three field goals, three for three extra points. They got the same special teams as all continuity. Same punter, holder, everything. It's great. It's fantastic. I mean, then a running back, if McCaffrey does get hurt, that's the only thing I can see stopping the offense, sort of. But Elijah, what's his last name? Mitchell? Yes. Elijah Mitchell's very good when he stays healthy. Mm-hmm. Jordan Mason is a big boy. Yeah. <laughs> big yeah. running back. <laughs> Have fun tackling that. You'll earn your paycheck that week, tackling him. And then they have uh, the Tyron Davis-Price. Mm-hmm. It's a good offensive line. I was a little worried about them. You know, they lost McGlinchey. He had McKivitz at right tackle. Didn't really know him. Interior three aren't the greatest, but they're good. Trent Williams is still Yeah, Trent Williams is fantastic. Really. Interior three are perfectly fine. You know, I'm a little, just because they're not named guys, but they're good. Mm-hmm. Good scouting. Mm-hmm. It sounds to me of a scouting department that actually knows how to scout offensive linemen. It's quite nice. You can find a guy like Jake Brundle who... Was on practice squads. Mm-hmm. Be a very good starting center. You can be- draft the guys from Spencer Burford in the fourth round. Well, that, and then when you have. And Banks, a, develop him for a year, and then he's a bruiser at left guard. Or when you have an offensive coordinator and head coach that know how to scheme an offense to the players' talents. You know, that helps too. Yeah, it's quite bit. fantastic. <laughs> yeah. Um, I think we have time for about one more game, uh, maybe two. I want to talk about the Tennessee Titans beating. The Chargers, the Los Angeles Chargers. What is wrong with office, or what is wrong with Los Angeles Chargers? Their defense is terrible, and their quarterback is not very clutch. I Justin Herbert is fantastic. We can all agree. Before the last two minutes of the game, but back to back games, you're either down or tied. You got a chance to win, and you don't do anything. I'm not blaming. I'm not blaming the playoff game on him. But if you're going to be one of the great ones that we got to hear about every year, every week, you make one play. You get that first down to steal it. You get you extend a play and make, a, make some magic happen. If you're going to be in the, the class of all these greats, those are the plays you got to make. You got to go get that game-winning field goal. Defense didn't play that bad. They only allowed 24 points. You have Derrick Henry running at you 40 times. You're going to allow some points. <laughs> Which the Titans, they went back to old bread and butter. They played Tajay Spears more than Derrick Henry week one. And they just said, screw it. We're just going to ride him until he can't ride no more <laughs> week two. And same usual Derrick Henry performance. Mm-hmm. So, um, Looking at this Chargers team, 
what is it that they are going to have to change in order to be competitive in an extremely competitive AFC this year? They're going to have to do whatever it takes to get that more out of that defense. Mack, Bosa, J.C. Jackson, Derwin James. They need better play out their linebackers. Kenneth Murray is bad. There's no reason. He's got all the athletic ability in the world to do it. Mm-hmm. Kendricks is a little older, but lean on him. So, you know, show him, show Kenneth what to do. That's, okay, Kenneth, go over there. That's what the Minnesota Vikings did for 10 years. They were just like, dude, go out there and just be our hero. Be our man. Uh-huh. I need a hero. <laughs> Basically, that's what he did for 10 years. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Switch. I don't know. I don't know at this point. We've said this for four years with the Chargers. Every year, what do they got to do? I don't know at this point. Just win some the games. Mm-hmm. Get a little more out of the run. I don't know. If Herbert's as talented as he is, go and win these football games. Go get the game-winning drive. <laughs> if All Baker right. Mayfield can do it, you can do it. <laughs> All right. We have about eight minutes left in the show here. We wanted to finish off the show by going through our weekly awards. Sackley, who would you give your Offensive Player of the Week to? Offensive Player of the Week? Uh, Daniel Jones leading a 20-point comeback after, you know, giving out scored 60 to nothing. It's hard to do. He did it on the in the air and on the ground uh, as we pull up the stats here. 321, two touchdowns passing, 9 for 59, and a touchdown rushing. I'm giving it to him. Impressive comeback. Yeah, it was against the Cardinals, but that was an impressive comeback. Uh, my offensive player of the week, I'm giving to C.J. Stroud. Oh, yeah. Uh, he went out there. He looked good. Balled. Uh, the Texans ended up losing the game, but that's just kind of more on the Texans just not being a very good team overall. Um, yeah. But he went out there and just performed. He did something Justin Fields has never been able to do, and that's yeah. to throw over 300, 300 yards. Um, he ended with 384 and two touchdowns. Must no be picks. quite nice when your franchise quarterback Real and you nice. hit 300 yards. <laughs> um, Tank Dell also looked good in that game. Oh, I want to give him a shout he's out. He's a beast. Mm-hmm. I think that this was a really good, really good uh, draft by them. Um, secondly, your defense player of the week. Defense player of the week. Um, Joe Tryon Shrilinka. It's a make or, make or break year for him, year three. I mean, he kicked. Our butt from start to finish, two sacks, three tackles for a loss. It's fantastic. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with the guy we talked about a little bit earlier, Fred Warner. Uh, oh, yeah. Watching that game, yeah. he was just everywhere. And you he can't does that every him. week. He's fantastic. He is amazing. I love him. And he just plays 100% all the time, no matter what. He is everywhere. Does everything. Uh, you know, I was talking about uh, Cody Whitehair getting blo- blown back, but in that game, Fred Warner did the same thing. He blitzed right up the middle and just nosed straight into the chest of the uh, offensive guard and just drove him back and got a sack. It was crazy. Yeah. Um, going on, who's your big boy of the week? Big boy of the week, I would say. There's a lot of good, a lot of good candidates. I mean. Um... I'd have to give it like a group award. I'd give the Eagles offensive line. I mean, you literally, they literally just took over the game. They ran it. There was nothing they could do about it. Yeah. And the pass pro was good. So if I had to pick a guy out of that, it'd be Jason Kelsey. He's the leader of that group. Watched his documentary recently. My girlfriend really likes him. 
A little too much. So I'll go with him. Jason, Jason Kelsey and Robert Sala. <laughs> um, I'm going to go – I was going to say the Eagles O-line too. I think just you know reiterating what you said, they had a fantastic week. Um, most of um, – you know, their success on the ground and DeAndre Swift's success on the ground happened because O-line played so well. Um, but just to be a little different, I want to shout out this 20 – and he was a 24-year-old man from England. His father <laughs> is extremely rich. And this kid – I call him a kid because he looks like – he's huge, dude. Like, not good huge. <laughs> huge. Um, but his father is very rich. And in their hometown, there is a League 3 soccer team in England. And his father paid $18,000 to the uh, soccer team to allow his son to play 18 minutes in one of their games. So he officially signed a contract with the team so that he could legally play in 18 minutes of the game. So shout out to him for, as my big boy of the week. Well, getting I some mean, minutes that's in. a great father. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then finally, exactly your donkey of the week. Luke Getze. Calling three straight screen passes. The whole stadium knew it. The players knew it. To lose the game for your 12th consecutive loss. Luke Getze, ladies and gentlemen. Yeah, I mean, that's two straight weeks for a Luke Getze appearance. I love to see it. Hopefully, I, I, I can't take it anymore. It's He's getting it until I see otherwise. Yeah. Um, my donkey of the week, I'm going to give it to, kind of sticking with the Bears, I think we've given it to five total Bears now, including this one, Cole Komet. I think you just look out there, and he just does not look like a, a very good player. And he's something that we were expecting to eventually grow into, like, a top five tight end in the league. And that's not very hard in today's NFL. No. There's a very large gap in between those top three or four guys. And then there's and a lot space. of them have gotten old and fallen off. Exactly. That were a couple of years ago. You know, Darren Waller isn't the same player that he was. Zach Ertz is done. Zach Ertz isn't the same player he was, you know. So there's opportunities to move up, and he is just staying stagnant as a player right now. And I, I hate to see it. So because of that, he gets my donkey of the week. All right, folks. I promised you that we'd announce our food battle of the week for next week. Our teams of the week were the Buffalo Bills and the Atlanta Falcons. Atlanta Falcons got the Bears a little revenge by beating the Green Bay Packers. So in honor of them, we're going to be getting some lemon pepper wings. And then the Buffalo Bills had a bounce back week where they destroyed the Oakland Raiders or Las Vegas Raiders. I like calling them the Oakland Raiders. Oakland Raiders. Uh, in honor of them, we're going to be getting some Buffalo wings. So we're going to have a wing matchup next week, next Tuesday. So be able to be sure to tune in for that. Later tonight, I'll throw up a post on our Instagram or tomorrow in the afternoon. Uh, comment on that, your favorite, who you think would win that food battle, and then tag three of your friends, put it on your story, and then you'll have a chance to win $20 like Kareemay did this week in our last food battle. So, again, be sure to look out on our Instagram for that post. Comment uh, your favorite winner, three friends, put it on your story, uh, get your chance to win 20 bucks. All right, folks, if you missed any part of the show, be sure to check us out on Spotify under Blue Jay Boys WRSE. And I hope you guys have a fantastic week. See ya. Thanks for listening to the Blue Jay Boys Show. You can find us on Spotify, TikTok, and Instagram. What's the time? You're listening to WRSE, 88.7 Elmhurst, the sickest rock station in the suburbs. Stay tuned for more rock variety.